right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here. We have a lengthy, lengthy episode. We recorded this a few months ago when we returned from our tourist sauce trip in Michigan. If you are only a podcast listener and not familiar uh, with what tourist sauce is, it is a YouTube series we have done. We are approaching season seven is premiering. Uh, this Wednesday, October 20th, 9 p.m. on our YouTube channel. Uh, we travel around many different areas of the world. This time we traveled around the state of Michigan uh, filming, documenting golf courses, and we always do record a podcast to complement uh, the individual episodes of the series. Kind of gives us a little bit of time to flesh out our thoughts on the golf courses, the state as a whole. We get into it a little bit on this one. There's some ups and downs to this one. You know, there's some controversial opinions that will that will stand out when we get to a, a particular course uh, towards the middle of the trip. But uh, the, the series is presented by our friends at Precision Pro. Uh, we greatly appreciate their support of the series. We'll be telling you, obviously, uh, more about them as the season goes along. And, and I'm, I know a lot of you guys have supported them uh, buying their rangefinders throughout the course of the year. They greatly appreciate that. So... This episode here is brought to you by our friends at The Stack. If you are interested in gaining an extra 30 yards off the tee, maybe you have a little wedge into a tough par 4 at your home course, I don't know who wouldn't be interested in that, but The Stack system may be the solution you're looking for. It provides speed training for golfers by pairing precision hardware. It's a single club configurable into 30 unique weight combinations with an industry-changing training app. The Stack app acts as a personal trainer with customized speed programs that dynamically change based on the golfer's performance while also guiding workouts and recording key training metrics. It's basically like Peloton for speed training. And get this, you can even talk your swing speed into the app while using it using their voice entry feature so your whole session can be done hands-free or wearing AirPods or whatever you use. And it even cheers for you when you set a personal record with the weight system. The Stack system was created by leading golf biochemist Dr. Sasho McKenzie and the vice president of fitting and performance at Ping, Marty Jertson. These two guys aren't just PhDs and engineers. Sasho is a two-time defending club champion at his course, and Marty has played in six major championships. What are the experts saying? Chris Como, the coach of the longest hitter on the PGA Tour in the PGA Tour history, Bryson DeChambeau says the Stack is by far the best speed training system available. It's the easiest way for a golfer to meet reach their maximum speed potential. So join the dozens of tour players and thousands of amateur golfers that continue to set new personal bests by training with the Stack. If you're not getting faster, you're getting past. Check it out at thestacksystem.com. Use code no laying up, all one word, to save 10% at checkout. Let's get to the pod. Taurus Sauce, Michigan, Season 7. Gosh, we have a lot, a lot to talk about in today. Hopefully, I'm not sure exactly when this episode is going to come out, but we will have a nine-part video series on our travels through the state of Michigan coming out sometime, I believe, this October, DJ? Is that that's, correct? That's exactly right. Okay. Very much looking forward to that. The videos don't always give us the best outlet to fully verse our experiences in a long-form way on the golf courses, our favorite holes, just you know, sometimes just doesn't fit in there. So we love to make complimentary podcasts that talk about our trip, how it came together, why we ended up at the certain courses, and just over our overall experiences. Gives you a little chance to debate things. I think we might debate a few things today. So Solly here, obviously. DJ Pai, you heard his voice. Hello, Deej. Greetings. Neil is here in the Keelhouse. Neil, hello. Hello, gentlemen. TC is here. Got a lot of scorecards in front of him. 
Big, big scorecard guy. Big scorecard guy. A lot of directions we're going to go with this. And the big guy is calling in from the Mountain Time Zone. Hello, big. Good morning, guys. I cannot wait to embrace debate this morning. We Skip, uh, skip, skip. <laughs> what's going to be the most controversial? What do we think is going to going to be the most uh, the strongest debate? The loop. Yeah. <laughs> not even, yeah, it's not even going to be close. I don't even know if there's debate on anything else. I think we're all pretty universal on most of the other stuff. I, I, I think we're going to agree there. Well, TC, you are the resident logistic coordinator what is the official title of your role here with no laying up vp of the tc way vp of the tc way <laughs> uh, no i think you know please spare the other guys your you know if, if you are itinerary guy please spare the other guys uh direct all complaints a, a, to Tron. a message and just just send it to me i'll i'll fall on the sword for the guys there i will say maybe the most positive feedback i can recall seeing in terms of like what our itinerary was like some people were like hey you got to play here but most most part people were like dude I'm from Michigan. Like you guys covered it in this season. We tried to. Yeah. We certainly tried to. There's not a lot of golf in the Thumb, uh, which is over east of Saginaw and Flint and Bay City. We did get up to the UP, as we'll talk about. Incredibly our, diverse. Our, our state. pasties can prove that. Exactly. And we have we, receipts from the pasties. We did spend time in Lake Huron. That's right. Which Lake Huron, like, it's the creepiest of the great. It's the Forgotten Lake. I would, I would argue. The creepiest? Yeah, it's just it's just. Creepy. Can you unpack that a little bit? <laughs> I don't know. It's just well, it's just weird. Nobody forgot. Nobody like, knows what they're doing up there. You know, <laughs> it's just a weird. There's no. It's not very scenic. It's not a great shoreline. It's I don't know. I just like Huron kind of creeps me out a little bit. Take it all away, like Huron. Um, not interested. You know, so we started in Detroit. Wanted to get a good sense of Detroit, or as good a sense of Detroit as we could get. Before we t- talk yeah. about where we started, why Michigan? Why did we go to Michigan? The biggest thing is it's like a super diverse place as far as, A, as far as golf is concerned. You've got lakeside golf. You've got classic designs from Alistair McKenzie. You've got new designs from a host of, you know, modern architects. There's how many golf courses in the state of Michigan? There are just under a thousand golf courses in the state of Michigan. Uh Thank you for asking. How does that align with what you were expecting? I don't know. You should ask Randy that question. (laughs) Okay. Because he estimated higher than I did for the record. Randy, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, I guess there's 6,000 courses in Michigan, (laughs) and I'll stand by that. (laughs) It feels like it, right? How could we possibly know? Uh, Yeah, I I think there are a lot of them that just aren't counted. When you add up the miniature golf courses, the backyard courses... You know, exactly. the, the golf simulators in the Foot winter. Golf. Come on. I mean, by the listen. time by the time we got to the back nine at Gray Walls, it felt like we had played 6,000 golf that's courses. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you've got city golf in Detroit, a little bit in Grand Rapids. You've got the dunes over on the west side of the state, forest golf. You've got what feels like mountain golf up at Boyne or at Gray Walls. So there's all sorts of stuff. Michigan's very, very proud place as well. It's got a distinct sense of place and a uniqueness as far as the culture goes as well. Even, you know, different parts of the state, great beer culture, great food culture. So I think, you know, all that should shine through just great people as well. And then I would say on top of that, like the accessibility of the golf Mm -hmm. in this state and the price for some of the experiences we had is kind of blew me away a little bit in terms of, I've kind of lost a little bit of hope in terms of finding like, you know, it may be just because basically where we live, there's not good public golf. It's just a fact. And I, I just can't imagine, uh, you know, aside from Jack's Beach, which is very crowded these days, it's hard to picture like having a place like Pilgrim's Run or Diamond Springs or the mines like right in your backyard if you lived in Grand Rapids. Or if you lived in Detroit, driving up to Forest Dunes and 
playing there is, is a lot like what we have here with Streamsong nearby. It just it punches above its weight in terms of accessible golf and yep. just like stuff. I was maybe a little worried about like stuff popping on camera and the eye candy of the golf courses, but like I'm not even remotely worried about that. Well, that's now. what I was going to say. I, I want to formally apologize to Mr. Big who brought up the Michigan season many years ago. I think before we did California, right? And we had done Australia. Yeah, heels of no, before Scotland. That was I think it was after Scotland. It was, after it was Scotland. when we tried to do them in back to back months. Yeah. And and <laughs> Randy was kind of floating like, man, I think, you know, Michigan, we could do some pretty compelling stuff. And I think we were all kind of at least for me, like I just hadn't spent enough time there. I didn't really know what we were getting into. I think I was a little worried on like Man, how what's it going to look like if we go from Australia to Scotland to Michigan? Is that going to feel like a letdown? And I will say, I don't think we quite probably had the tools in our toolbox to be able to pull off the the Michigan season back then. I think it's a lot harder to really capture that sense of place like you were talking about, Tron, which I think we did a pretty cool job of this week. And I'm excited for people to see the videos. But all that is a long way of saying, like, I mean, Michigan's up there with anything I think we've ever done. It was awesome. And it... it Blew me away for all the reasons you guys said, and I can't wait to uh, keep talking about it. One thing I'd add, just overall vibe, Michigan takes summer seriously. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They, I feel like, and they, you know. Summer's they, a full context. Yeah, <laughs> they, they cherish it. They, As Nick Kelly, who came with us, helped with a lot of the bringing this to life from a, you know, photographic standpoint, uh, they recreate hard. Yeah. So I always mention it almost feels like Europe a little bit. Yeah, it's I, like I totally. And, and that vibe is coming from. to me contagious yeah. of like, man, I need to cherish this yeah. because everybody else here, they want to be outside, they want to be active, and then they want to have a cold beer. And that is, you know, I could spend the rest of my life doing that. <laughs> that ali- aligns with your that, interests. That aligns <laughs> with, with some of my uh, my principles for sure. So I think, I think two things to kind of point out. A, this season, it feels like it's very approachable as a set of – kind of long weekend trips, right? Yeah. So you could go to Grand Rapids for a long weekend. You could go to the Traverse City area for a long weekend. You go to the Boyne, Charlevoix area for a long weekend. You could go up to the UP for a long weekend, that sort of thing. So I think, you know, granted, like in these domestic trips are actually harder from a planning perspective because we're constantly on the road. I think You're basically s- packing in a bunch of different trips. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Whereas, you know, if, if we go to... Scotland or somewhere like that. Granted, I think we do Scotland a little bit differently than, than we did initially or Australia or Ireland. Like we're, there's more density, I think, and the courses are a little bit... You, don't cent- have, you just don't have more, to move around More much. centralized yeah. around, around certain towns and stuff. So that's one thing. And then two, just as far as kind of what we left off, you know, obviously you'll hear about where we did go, where we didn't go. A, Detroit is just, it's a it's a big beast. You've got so much good classic golf. So a lot of good private golf. Yeah. As well. Yeah. I think, you know, certainly tried mm-hmm. Oakland Hills. They just reopened. They haven't had like any member play since the renovation. So they're chock full of member play. Couldn't get on there. We looked at Meadowbrook, but we thought, you know, where we did play was probably a better uh, summation or approximation of Detroit golf. But like you go to, you go to Detroit and play seven days, 36 whole days and play unbelievable private golf up there we kind of skipped over kalamazoo battle creek lansing and then down on that southwest coast to like lost dunes and and the dunes club and that that sort of thing we decided to really shine a light on grand rapids we did not under travel i will say that too you're kind of covering off a lot of places we didn't go but you'll see too quickly in our route that we 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 covered a lot of ground and then also feel a little bit like more chicago 
area a little bit to me. So that whole southwest corner is, yeah. is very Notre Dame and that's and very South like Bend. weekend, you know, drive out on Saturday morning and, and play golf. Yeah. Yeah. And then so DJ and I on the day we left Grand Rapids and drove up to Forest Dunes. We actually went all along the coast, went through Holland, Grand Haven, Muskegon, Manistee. No nobody, nobody turns a two-hour drive into an eight-hour drive like me and TC. <laughs> Went up through, you know. It's like you guys getting dunes. in your process. It truly is. stuff. But we did. You, you want know, to drive four hours out of the way just so we could see this golf course for six minutes? Hell yeah. So the biggest thing that people are going to say is, oh, you guys didn't go to Arcadia Bluffs. No I, no Arcadia? Yeah. yeah. That's that's going to be the old head of this of this season, which, you know, we we certainly tried. I really wanted to see the south course. I've played the, I've played the Bluffs course before. DJ and I stopped and, and droned from off property. I well will, off property. I will add, you know, wish them nothing but the best. But yeah, it just they're not, not big down, on, not big on filming. Right? Yeah, it was, so, a, it was a hard pass from the boys at Arcadia Bluffs. And then uh, and then, yeah, a couple, you know, a few courses that we didn't make it to, like Champion Hill up in Beulah. There's another one called uh, Pinecroft up near Crystal Lake. Just some really, really fun little old school courses up there. And then otherwise, I think, you know, plenty of plenty more courses we could have played at, at Boyne. Like, I'm sure there'll be some... A lot of different ways we could have gone with Heather, this. you know, people ride for the Heather course up there, or even the Ross course. We played the Hills course. And then there's a few up in the up in the UP, up near uh, Escanaba area, the Island Resort. A couple of cool courses up there, too. So all that's to be said, like, it's, you know, I think we, we scratched the surface with Michigan, but... It's tough to, it's a big surface. Well, with that, without further delay, let's get right into uh, the golf courses. We're going to, you know, we divided up the courses. Each person here is going to lead um, a few different courses and talk about some of the highlights of it and lead a spirited discussion. First up, first stop, uh, we divided and conquered. TC, Randy, and I went to Rackham in Detroit, a public golf course we'll talk about shortly. But Neil and DJ went to Detroit Golf Club to play the North Course. Neil, what can you tell us about the North Course at Detroit Golf Club? The, yeah. the house that Bryson built. You could argue, or the house that Henry Ford and his boys built, I would say. <laughs> in a much more true sense. You know, a little history, Detroit Golf Club, founded in 1899. I think the true course, the 36-hole complex that we played, really got started in 1906 and then 1913 and 1916. You know, the OG, Horace Rackham. We got to get Horace on the on the wall and Horace's place at the birdhouse. Rackham was the first lawyer for Henry Ford. He bought... I think five shares of Ford and everybody told him not to like all oh, the automobile. It's a novelty. It's, it's, it's going away. Horses well, that, have been around for thousands of years. Yeah. The, the, the automobile is not going to be anything. Well, it turns out those <laughs> shares were bought back from him by uh, Henry Ford's son. And, you know, I think it netted them like somewhere between 12 and $20 million. He became basically a professional philanthropist. And it sounds like if you wanted to get anything done in Detroit from an arts and culture seen the zoo being an example, Rackham, which we'll talk about in a second, you went and talked to uh, to Horace. So he helped him buy the land to build the 36 holes. He was friends with Donald Ross from spending time down at Pinehurst. And Alec Ross. And Alec Ross, who is Donald's brother, uh, who became the head pro at Detroit Golf Club. Sounds like they were uh, all thick as thieves. So Donald designed the North Course and the South Course. DJ, you and I played the North Course, and then a few of us played the South Course. It is a <coughs> PGA Tour, a proper test of golf. Yeah. And it's in phenomenal shape. The way I would describe the course, and, well, the com I'll start with the complex first. Can I just start with it's that? It's unit of a complex. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, just starting with that, like, proper test of golf, that's, that's it's interesting feedback to me because it is 
kind of pedestrian for the tour pros. Well, like, would, it, it putting into perspective how good those guys are, they show up. And, and just I have like, I have some thoughts on that okay. because like that's how it was described to me. And I feel like the, the course, the strategy of the course was dictated heavily by the trees. And to me, the strategy of trees is much more like a math problem where it's like on the tee, you know, the, the, the strategy is obvious. There's trees on the left. You got to be on this side of the fairway. It's basically dictating you have to hit this draw or this fade. And for pros, like that's, you know, it's a yes or no question. Well, also, I feel like they have the answer key a lot of the times where it's like, oh, I'll just hit it over the trees. Yeah, that too. <laughs> But whereas with, like, when we go play the loop, we talk about the loop, it's all about, like, oh, my God, it's 100 yards wide. It lulls you into thinking, oh, I can yeah. miss anywhere, but then, oh, actually, I can't. Like, I didn't think that through. So it's more, more of a discussion question, that kind of question. So I felt like Detroit Golf Club was much more, you know, you're trying to hit specific golf shots it's a on. Check, it's a checklist. You know, it's yeah. like in your backswing, like someone's calling fade. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, those, like the, the games that only the tour pros can play. Technical also, skiing. Also, they, you know, it's a place where they, they actually do slow down the greens. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> we did hear that as well. The, the greens are wild. Kind of, greens are um, really cool. That was a great example of, I'm sure we'll get into this, but, you know, playing a PJ Tour golf course and seeing the difference between what your eye is seeing and what your eye sees on TV. You how, know, and two, how much it gets flattened. Yeah, two very different things. And there's not a whole hell of a lot, you know, TV can do about that, but they're just shooting from so high up to catch so many balls coming into greens and stuff. You don't get a great sense of how wild those greens were. They were really fun to play. Greens and and bunkers. Yeah. Well-placed bunkers out there. I mean, it was definitely a, a, an old school course that's been you know, modernized for pros, basically. So my, my two favorite holes out there, and Deej, I'll, I'll love your feedback on this, were number five, mm -hmm. which was a par five on the front nine, uh, trees on the left, kind of a really, you had to hit a really tight tee shot with OB left, and then you wanted to be on the right side of the fairway. I ended up on the left side, and then there's these overhanging trees kind of 100 yards from the green. So like you have an option to maybe go over them, but like, are you hitting five iron in if, or you're trying to punch like a, a draw around the trees to a green, just like you were saying, that's sneaky elevated with a false front. And so that to me kind of summed up a lot of the strategy of the golf course um, and playing it will make me enjoy the tournament a little bit more. No, I totally agree. That was going to be number one on my list as well. I, I really, really like that. And cool green as well. When you get up there, you know, you're, I, I felt like you're playing to, it, it was a really flat piece of property reminded me. You know, I know Wingfoot has a little bit of mm. a, a little bit of movement, but it, where we're members, just when you kind of throw the drone up and when you kind of start looking around, it like it did remind me of Wingfoot a little bit. Wingfoot probably has two better golf courses, I would say, but it very similar in that it's just very expansive, relatively flat, and the two courses kind of wind within each other. It's a big, massive clubhouse, old, lot of history. It just it, it was a really cool spot. But where I was going to go with that is feels like for a relatively flat piece of land, you're also like kind of hitting uphill yes. in the greens a lot. You know, number five was a good example of that where it, it was a short four. And you're not hitting a ton of club in, but just kind of uphill into some of those greens with wild ass greens. It, it made for a lot more demanding shots than maybe the scorecard yardage was. Neil, yeah. Neil how did you play area 313? Um, I went six, three, five. I think I went six, uh, Five, five. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I would motion to, you know, Dan and, and the Rocket Boys, we need to make that a career three-run three challenge. I think that would add a long-term, like if a guy has birdies, all he's looking for is that hole-in-one. Like, in, in case people don't know what the hell we're talking about, <laughs> yeah. the, well, the three-one-three three three challenge in the, in the Rocket Mortgage Classic, a player has to go eagle, hole-in-one, birdie. 
back to back to back, and then Rocket Mortgage gives like three hundred grand or something. Yeah, three hundred and thirteen grand. Sh- Shotgun Start Boys have been all over this. That you know they've brought in some actuaries, figured out that that policy probably cost them about twelve dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's so unlikely. I'm with you. It's the dumbest promotion in <laughs> golf. But if they made it a got career one, got you talking about it. Got you talking no, about it. No, if it was a career playing the course, made me think. God, that would be a reason for guys to come back. Like yeah. it, it could. You know, we got to make some tweaks to it. But getting back to the course, I think. The hit, I love a place with, with a lot of history. I was talking to, I think, Cody about it after the round. Feels like a course where if you were a member, there's a ton of value, right? They had the full facility, like a 36-hole track. It reminded me of a place uh, in Cincinnati I like a lot, Kenwood Country Club, where you got two different, very different golf courses. You've got the pool. You've got tennis. Really nice clubhouse. We had a drink in the, uh, in the grill afterwards. It was a great vibe in there. So but Gus it, Johnson? it felt a little bit... Like it, the architecture is from a bygone era. And, and one thing that really stuck out to me was the pool is right next to 18 on the North course. And it's now just covered like a hundred feet up in nets. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, I thought to myself, like, man, look at how this place has had to adjust just the, the layout of it. Like they built the clubhouse too close to the finishing hole and people were probably just like Pepper. knocking kids out with, you know, with like hitting a hook into that green and now it's just like covered in netting and it's just like kind of a very visual like visceral like look at what the modern like look at how far everything's going look at how big these misses are from you know amateur golfers at this club so you kind of got a sense of an old school golf course like 36 hole complex which you know I think you could start to list off a bunch in the country meets the modern game right and what they're trying to do to keep a PGA Tour event at that course. Yeah, a couple a couple more things for me. I, I wouldn't say that this is going to sound very backhanded, and I don't mean for it to, but the, I don't think any of it totally wowed me. I mean, I don't think if we were building like a composite 18 from the trip, I don't know that necessarily any of their holes would be on there. I thought it was a little bit not, not forgettable. It's just well, it, there wasn't a ton of like really distinct sure. stuff out there. It's like but, high floor, solid Donald yes, Ross. Yes, but that said, it was in incredible shape. I had an absolute blast. It was a delightful walk. It was an easy walk. It was truly a place that like I'm with you. To, it, it would be so fun to be a member at. Get a and, lot of value as a member. Yes, it would be a blast to go know all those holes intimately and and go out there and play every Saturday. But that said, I, I don't – I. I think it stands up to like a, a PJ Tour. It's it's the perfect place for a PJ Tour test. There's not a lot of quirk. There's not a lot of things guys are going to bitch about. There's a plenty of space. It's in immaculate shape. But it was I, a good I want, kind of championship test of golf. I want to take that and lead us into the South Course mm-hmm. because I played both. And it felt like from the members and some of the folks on site that we talked to, they prefer the South Course. I found the South Course more interesting and more fun and what I thought was funny or interesting was people were like, well, yeah, you know, the North course, like that's, that's the tournament course. So like, you know, that's, we have to do it to keep the PGA tour. And I just think there's like a disconnect when the excuse for a course being less interesting or like the people that play it every day <laughs> don't want to play it is because yeah, it's hosting a PGA tour event. Shouldn't it be the opposite? Like we are seeing these guys play the more interesting course or, and, well, and that's was, a wider topic, but I, that's how I felt. And, yeah. and you guys saw the South course. So what's you know, kind of funny about that is at least they have a PGA tour. Yeah. event you know yeah. like think about how many clubs are like that and don't have a pj tour well, event. it's massive it's just, for the local area and yeah. all that and i think because i think you know with detroit there's the definite like it's a 
massive deal for them. To totally. That was going to be the other thing I was going to say was it's it's easy and kind of cheap thrills sometimes to poke fun at the PJ Tour schedule and, oh, my God, there's 45 events. Who the hell's watching all these events? What's going on? Why are we doing this? And then you go talk to those members or go talk to, you know, the, the people who work there, or the people who benefit from the tournament. And it, it just, yeah, it's a good constant reminder that we all probably need that, like, these events are actually doing a lot of good things for a lot of good people and it's it's would be really hard to go just pluck those away but from, i, I from just wish it didn't make the course less interesting yeah. to avid amateur golfers like us well that said too it sounds it, like the, it goes the back tour, to the ball going too far it, it probably <laughs> in the tour like they're they're so averse to setting up pins on anything right remotely resembling a slope or there's tee locations that they use on the north course during the club championship that they don't use during the tournament because like the hole would be too long or the window would be too but yeah i i love the south course there was and there was for, so much variety record, and it never felt short they changed all. the routing a little bit for the tournament so they add in i think two yeah. south course holes and gotcha. they change like a little bit of the routing they start on 8 i think right. so that's not it's not exactly the north course i just wanted to for all the well actually's out there <laughs> Well, to the, to your point on the South Course, I thought the word that came to mind for me was just complimentary. And I didn't play yeah. the North Course, but I cannot imagine that the North Course was anything like the South Course. And we kind of, uh, we just kind of went out and played Scotch foursomes out there. It was kind of an afternoon, you know, kind of, again, a compliment to our day, if you will. And we started on the fifth hole, which I think contributed to a big takeaway I had. Uh, we played, what, 14 holes out there. If I never saw the scorecard and if no one ever told me that it was sub 6,000 yards and a par 68, I legitimately would have never noticed. It has two par fives. We got to play both of those. And it just had a lot of uh, par th- a lot of one-shot holes. And it like was not short. The holes are not short. I mean, they're about 400-yard par fours. They're not long, but it was just kind of right there in front of you. Simple, but intricate little designs to each hole. There was trees were an, uh, a factor on this golf course in a really fun way. It was kind of like... I think it was on the seventh hole where if you pull a tee shot, you don't really realize it yet, but you pull a tee shot, there's a tree that overhangs the front left of that green. And you're like, oh, gosh, I'm paying a price for being out of position here. And I got to figure out, do I go under this tree, over this tree? Great par threes and just kind of 350 par fours that had a little bend to them that you had to kind of figure out what kind of strategy you wanted to, to play there. And nothing about it is really short other than it just having the the more one shot holes. And I think it well, yeah, that's I, what I, was really interesting to me too. Is like when someone sees a a course that has a, a very small scorecard yardage, like sub six thousand yards, they never seem to put together. Like, no, that just probably means like more par threes. Yeah, and like who's birdieing too many par threes? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like it's almost like when you have a longer yardage and more par fives, like that's less of a test. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, you, I always end up using way more clubs yeah, when it's it, sub yeah. six thousand yards. Exactly. And, I just wanted to give a shout out to this course because we, I feel like we rave about courses like this when we go to Scotland or Ireland or like, you guys wouldn't believe it. Like it's not a par 70 <laughs> and it's sub 6,000 yards. They just do it so much better there. Well, here is a, an example in the U.S. of embracing a different setup of a golf. I got a private, very nice country club. I, I'd imagine like this, this is not where I would have picked, uh, you know, members being volunteering for something that was sub 6,000 and like less than a par 70. You know, usually that's kind of a, it's starting to come back. Doke is working on one at at, uh, at Sand Valley, and I think trying to reintroduce that to Americans. But it, I feel like people are very resistant to that idea, and it works. And it's a great model for golf courses. If you only uh, how much smaller of a footprint six thousand yards takes up, other than seventy five hundred yards from the back tees, like holy shit, let's focus on that. We were out there on a 
Tuesday, they were having their men's league. Oh. There were hundreds yeah. of guys. I mean, thriving membership. It sounds like they've seen it grow by leaps and bounds over the last five years or so. Diverse membership. Like, it looked like society, right? Which was refreshing. And we should mention on that note, it's there's a lot of reasons why the PJ Tour chose to go to Detroit Golf Club. Like you mentioned, there are, you know, dozens of pretty elite private golf courses around Detroit and kind of in the surrounding areas. But there are not many that feel like you're in Detroit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And Detroit Golf Club was kind of, they, they kept calling it kind of like the first suburb of downtown Detroit. It was it was one of the first things put. It still feels like you're in Detroit. Some of the areas around the course are a little rough, but look like they're kind of coming back. I mean, it, Even it, on that note, some of the tour players kind of bitch or make offhanded comments about that. I thought, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's some up-and-coming you know, like you, you can tell people are buying up some of those houses and fixing them up because there's some majestic yeah. spots around there where they're all lining the courses and they sold the, you know, they sold the houses to basically pay for the course way back in the day. But it, like at, at no point did I feel like the immediate area was at all. No. Right. Like a there's know, there's other areas of Detroit that, totally. that do look that are truly run down. And yeah. I did not think that area around the course was that way. Yeah. It had some old homes that like are ready to be redone, totally. like had ready to be fixed up for sure. And I was told that that was the first development, like yeah. golf and, and property, like using property to... It but, felt like but a big part. It was all the around the outside, right? right? Yeah. They didn't sell off any of the land inside, which is wish more developments would and, do that. And we kind of got a little bit of background in case I, I forget to mention this later, but just about how the tournament actually ended up there, which I, I thought was pretty cool and... Dan Gilbert, obviously, has, has been kind of the uh, poster person for trying to revitalize Detroit and pumping a bunch of money into a bunch of different things. And part of it was like trying really, really hard to get a PJ Tour event back in Detroit. Of course, they had the Warwick Hills event forever. It was a pretty big mainstay on the PJ Tour. But, uh, but that was more Flint. That right? W- right, exactly. But yeah, not much else kind of like in Detroit proper. And so his whole thing was trying really hard to bring a PJ Tour event to Detroit and according to the story that that we heard, I mean, I think a big part of it was sponsoring the the event in in DC. Virginia, DC. That that was kind of like uh, sponsorless for a while there. The what we kind of heard was he worked with the PJ Tour and basically said, "All right, I'll I'll prop up this sponsorless event, but as soon as you have an opening on the calendar, like we're moving something to Detroit." And so, say what you want about Dan Gilbert, Randy. Maybe we take that on another podcast. But the idea just of of doing that and kind of throwing money in an event that you're you're kind of not really even tied to just to hopefully invest in, and get something back to Detroit kind of ties back to what I was saying a little bit earlier there too. And like, yeah, I know this event probably doesn't have the biggest ratings of the year. I know I'm probably not fascinated to watch it every year, but it's, it matters. It, it matters to a lot of people. So not everything is for you. Exactly. Not everything's for me. No, exactly. And it, that's an important lesson. I, I think I'm still learning. So yeah. All right. And Let's, the clubhouse. We just need to mention the clubhouse, please. Uh, oh, Alfred Al- Kahn. Albert Kahn. Albert Kahn, excuse complete me. Complete menace architect in Detroit. It just designed the Ford headquarters, a lot of the factories, a lot of the a lot of the very regal factories that are now abandoned. It it they look awesome. You just wish yes. somebody was doing some was making some shit in them. I was gonna say people I think are doing stuff in them. I don't know if anybody's making stuff in we wanna, them. We wanna we wanna be making stuff in yeah. them. That's what they're for. I think he did the clubhouse at Rackham as well, right? I believe he did. Yeah. Which, I think def- I think Detroit overall it's a it's more hopeful than it is yeah. depressing, right? I, I I think it's a really interesting place. The, there's some great restaurants. We ate at an East African place called Baobab Fair that, that was fantastic. The urban farm right down the street from I, our I place. was blown away. I'd never spent any time in Detroit, and I absolutely loved it. Would love to return for 
baseball game, I mean, hockey game, something that getting into that downtown was was really fun. And obviously talking to a bunch of people there, it probably wasn't always that way over the last 20, 30 years. And, and just to tease the content a little bit, one of the, one of the I think, feature moments of, no of Taurus Sauce coming your way in episode one or two. Randy and I infiltrated a tango cabal. We'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> we ate some Coney's. We ate some it's, Detroit pizza. I had a blast. Could have hung out in Detroit for couple more days my my overall takeaway from detroit was just pretty much like there's just there's obviously obviously remnants of a previously existing society and it's it's still there the concrete is still there from just an near abandoned city at some point but it is like if that if that wasn't there you would never think that detroit's not like doing very very well it's just you know so I mean? big yeah and so flat that it makes it just feels it just makes those Buildings, you know, some yeah. of the abandoned stuff feel very present, right? Because these blocks are massive, man. And it's just like one of them is, you know, nothing's going on. And the next one's like, oh, look at this. This is like, this is up and coming. So it just changes like from block to block. Yep. Next up, TC, Randy and I went to Rackham. Uh, Tron, you have you previously had played Rackham uh, this past year at Maxim Mania in, in May, I believe that was. Tell us about Rackham. Yeah, Rackham is, it's not in the city of Detroit. It's actually outside, but it's Huntington Woods, I think. Uh, but the Detroit Golf runs it and owns it, I think. So, uh, yeah, Horace Rackham donated it. It's right next to the zoo. They moved the front nine. They had to, the first two holes, they built, I-696 front nine. So they had to kind of squeeze in nine holes on what was the land for six or seven holes. So the the front nine is not necessarily Ross or even original Ross, but the the back nine is pretty much untouched. And it's, you know, certainly it's, it's I, th- I think it's a success story. We're talking to Karen Peak. She's runs the place and, and runs Golf Detroit. And she's just a remarkable woman. And she basically said, hey, they, they went back from, you know, I think a few years ago, I think in the late, late 90s, they did 77,000 rounds. It got down to probably 30,000 a few years back, and they're back up in the mid-50s, and it's growing and growing and growing, and you can have more resources to improve the course, improve drainage. The greens are super, super smooth, but the back nine is the main event out there. It's a just a classic, like, give me 18 good greens and, the, and playing golf here is going to be fun and interesting. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, they had, tr- like, when we're talking about rain, they got, like, 17 inches of rain in the previous five weeks before we got there. Drench City, USA. And it was Drench City, USA. I've never seen so much water on a golf course. It's unfortunate for the drone footage, but, like, it didn't really affect the playability of the golf course. We were in it maybe one time. It, I had to take casual water or temporary water, whatever it's called it's now. It's 30 or 40 bucks to play. Unbelievably class. It looks like a train. The, the club house looks like a train station that just like the golf course took over similar to detroit golf club and it was just a very diverse community of people out there playing and we talked to a bunch of people that have played there for 25 30 35 years and uh just what they like about it it's very different than like what i liked about the golf course but i found that super like much more relevant like what do you you live here you play here a lot what do you like about it what don't you like it was also instructive knowing that like you know your stakeholders with municipal golf you know what i don't like that the handicap spot. I gotta fix too, the roof it's shingles. It's too far from the clubhouse. <laughs> that know? was that was it was awesome. It was great. We we played the back nine, um, which is the the untouched Donald Ross nine. Just great feature holes. It, it, I was totally engaged in that round of golf, and I would play there quite frequently if I if I lived in Detroit, especially for the cost that it is to, to play. Which I believe somewhere between twenty four and forty nine dollars uh, greens fees at Rackham. Yeah. So and it's I think as far as you know standout holes 10, 11, 12, 
you know, just solid. But then you really get like the meat gets going. Thirteen is a is a really cool hole. Kind of some some deception bunkering up on thirteen. And then fourteen's a, a short par five. Kind of runs along this neighborhood. And then fifteen uphill shorter par four next to the giraffe pen at the zoo, which Randy Randy said said hello to his family. Over there. I couldn't see him. Only Randy could see the giraffes. That's right. And we have a little secret hand signal that we did. <laughs> TC, I wanted to echo hole 14, the par five, I think was my, my favorite hole. Looking back on the uh, on the round with the neighborhood running down the left. And I just remember where that pin was in the front. And, you know, the greens were a little slowed down. Solly mentioned how much water they had gotten. But still being above the hole on that green it was death and you could just imagine during the the competition when they get the greens a little fiery like being above the pin anywhere uh, especially on that back nine at rackham is just automatic you know bogey or, or double bogey it, it was uh, that's a real treat at a public course i a- think 18 similar like well, i was gonna say similar to the south course i meant to give this a shout out too. like the greens were not lightning speed on the south course at detroit golf club but like that is great for when you have really undulating greens yeah. it, it does not it makes you not play silly golf and i felt the same way with rackham those greens were pretty wild it reminded me of palatka a little bit palatka's greens are slower but these greens, like Palatka's greens in here in, in Florida have 8% grades on some of them where, where they will put the pin, but they stimp at about six. And it just like, that's the way golf was played. Then that part is actually preserved. And I love that, you know, I don't know what they were stimping at when we played maybe eight. Probably eight yeah. And, and it worked. It totally worked because anything else would have just kind of been silly golf. And I, I really honestly don't have interest in playing Rackham when they're at 11 for the, for the city am uh, the annual city am that they have there. But it, it, that would be super, super, super challenging. And but, there's some teeth there. I mean, it's, you got, you got a long, you had a couple long par threes on the back. You got a 213 yard par three. You got a 220 yard par three. Dude, the old school, it's like the more old school architecture we play, they loved long ass par threes. Yeah. Like they're almost like drivable fours back in the day. Yeah. And, but there are so many, every time I play a Don Ross course, I feel like I'm hitting four iron driving irons into par threes. They also built like their 12s, a 350 yard par four, 17s, a 350 yard par four. They built great, short two-shot par fours. The blending well. between three and fours is a lot closer in yeah. those golf Which players. I think makes a lot of sense, too. Especially, sure. I mean, you you know, you get it. We'll talk about this later in the episode when we talk about Washcomo, but, you know, Neil and I were playing hickories, and it's like, it's just not a game where you're throwing it straight up in the air and stopping it, right? So when you're, when you're playing like those, I, I think of like number four at Belvedere, when you're playing a, you know, a 230-yard par three, it's like... Yeah, man, you're going to keep it on the ground anyways. It's probably firm. It's it's probably almost, I don't want to say easier to, to play uh, back then, but it's easier to wrap your head around back then probably. I think overall just keep doing what you're doing at Rackham, Karen. You're doing a great job. I think we talked to a few people out there that are that are volunteers with the first tee that were saying like how truly wonderful and patient and accommodating they are to the first tee. Like, you know, everybody wants to talk in cliches about growing the game. Like they're legitimately growing the game at Rackham. You know, just like keep lifting that place up. And it's 18's a 448 yard par four. Like really, ball buster. Yeah. So it's like there's it's proper golf. Yeah. Randy, I was going to ask. I didn't get to see Rackham, but it sounds like an absolute strapped paradise. I'm curious how it how it kind of fit uh, with some of the golf golf courses we've seen it strapped. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It would would fit right in, and I think would you would yourself and Neil would absolutely love it. Honestly, I, I think what it most reminded me of 
is probably a few of the courses that we saw in Peoria, maybe. Like these guys have said, it's 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 really proper golf, and those greens are no joke. And you know, it's it's a great value and a great challenge. And you have a lot of people out there that are at all levels of the game. They just love golf, and I think for that, it yeah, absolutely captures the spirit of what we try to do on Strapped. Next up, we piled in the Sprinter van and our uh, our wonderfully provided BMW X6. What do we have? X6. X6, X6. M- yeah. M50. Drove to Ann Arbor. Uh, DJ, take us to Ann Arbor. Well, it's a, a Perry Maxwell, Alistair McKenzie joint. Ever fucking heard of him? <laughs> uh, so listen to this trick. <laughs> uh, 1931, Alistair McKenzie. Uh, I think it's the, the bulk of the credit, but also Perry Maxwell, much like their work at Crystal Downs. I think there was some... Some symbiosis. Uh, I think they worked pretty hand in hand. The Midwest Associates. Yes, uh, working on that one. It's kind of hard to to wrap your mind around a a course that you know an Alistair McKenzie golf course that students can go play for thirty eight dollars. That's about as good as it possibly can get, and I think that's reflected always. I know Golf Week always used to do a, uh, possibly still do always always did a uh, top campus courses in the country, and I think it was always kind of back and forth between this and the Scarlet Course that at Ohio State, but, uh, Yale too, and Yale's up there as well. Um, but I mean, Michigan, like from a, from a campus course perspective, I, man, it's going to be really hard to beat that one. Oh, Culver and and Culver, the nine hole course in Indiana is always very, very cool as well. Right now, the current, current ratings, number one, Yale, two Culver, three to Connick four Mm. plowing up these standings, the foul course at Indiana. Five, the Rawls at Texas Tech. Six, University Ridge in Wisconsin. Seven, the Oklahoma course. Eight, the Scarlet. Nine, Pete Dye River course at Virginia Tech. Ten, Palouse Ridge at Washington State. And 11, University of Michigan. What? That's insane. That's mind-blowing. I take great exception to the Scarlet is not better than the University of Michigan course. In no No way. way. It's not even in the same... And that's universe. damning from Big Nut to say the <laughs> biggest homer for exactly. Ohio State, I, Randy. Yeah, I, I got a f- nut out of this. You guys don't, but yeah, you see those those rankings were, I agree with a lot of them, but no way University of Michigan is behind Scarlett. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I And I think a lot of, it's almost kind of hard to pinpoint what I really loved about this place just because it felt like, the again, the floor was just, really high. It just felt like everything was done so, so well. Can we talk quickly about the pricing structure and how I, I, I just freaking love for students. It's $38 faculty at staff. It ranges from 45 to $52 and unaffiliated guest 135 to 160. Yeah. I love pricing structures like this. It's like, to, all right, if you're traveling and you want to go play this course, it's going to cost you more than it costs the locals. Yep. You know, we're going to count on your revenue for this, but you can access it and play it. And it's still a value at that price. It is it's similar to Harding Park. For yes. residents, you know, Tory Pines, California state residents, and then, you know, somebody from out of state. And and that's a, it's a no brainer, right? Cause it, yeah, if you are on vacation, you will pay yeah. and that's fair. Yeah. And it, it is a place I think even at that, you know, 135 to 160, I think that like you said, Tron is an absolute value mm-hmm. would, would seek it out at that price as well. So uh, props to them for 
getting that in place and kind of running it the way that they run it because it is a uh, an awesome awesome place to see the pride of the people that work there was evident uh, yes. in terms of what they had on their hands they knew exactly what that golf course is and it that shined through and they it's didn't cool have to worry about jack nicholas coming in and destroying <laughs> the place. and it's cool too that you know you have i didn't go to a big university i don't have the big like necessarily the rah-rah football pride that a lot of the people at Michigan have, but you almost, it's very weird and very cool to see them kind of tap into that as it relates to golf courses as well. You know what I mean? Like everybody has that for their football team, for their basketball team, but it is kind of cool to just see them have that same like go blue pride about like this is the best fucking golf course in the country like you you have no idea we're we're gonna we're better than every other golf it's it's just it, a lot it's of, really cool to see that you know maize and blue yeah. on the course uh great an, scorecard an absolute army of students out there yes. taking care of the course you know look like a like some summer jobs going on which probably why it's in such good shape but to the course itself only 6700 yards i think from the back but a ton ton of elevation and land movement, which is kind of crazy considering the fact that you essentially feel like you're right in the middle of campus. I mean, in some of those tees, you're, you're looking right over at the football stadium. You're looking at campus up on the hill, all the, all the, you know, the libraries, the dorms, all that kind of stuff. It feels like you're kind of right in the thick of things, but still it's wildly up and down and, and to a much greater extent than what I was saying at Detroit golf club. I mean, it's 6,700 yards, but it just feels like you're hitting uphill all day and, and blind. Yes. A lot yeah. of blind shots, a lot of quirk, a lot of weird stuff. I thought it was really funny that they, you know, you have this Perry Maxwell, Alistair McKenzie golf course, and uh, they're using it at times to park cars yeah. during the, uh, Which I during think the football is overstated game. a little bit. They do it basically where you see all the big Heather uh, during the summer. I think they kind of knock all that down. They, they talking to the students that we played with Henry and Sophia, they do a great job of, of keeping cars off the course, keeping them on the car path. They have a great system. Uh, it's just, they were saying, you know, cars, a bunch, they'll, they'll have thousands and thousands of cars on the golf course on Saturday and you wake up Sunday morning. It looks like nobody was ever there. So it's, uh, just a really cool operation. I think one of the things, and, and this is certainly probably a little bit of recency biased, uh, we're going to get into talking about Mike DeVries and all his work, but as someone who has kind of become like Mr. Michigan golf, it just seems like the place is absolutely calling out for a restoration, renovation from him, kind of turning everything up a little bit more even and, and getting some of the original stuff back. But basically they need to find someone to write the check, but not change the name of the golf course right. to their family name. Exactly. But I had an absolute blast. Uh, I think if we're looking at a couple of favorite holes, I think this will probably be repetitive you're probably gonna hear about a lot of short par fours from me as always but number six is you know about as much fun as you can have wild boomerang green we had some great thrills maybe some of the most thrilling moments of the whole trip on that green i think i Uh, love walking off a short four and then realizing like oh driver was totally not the play like it really was not number two was wild kind of blind tee shot way up over that hill almost felt like something you'd see in scotland or you know some really quirky weird stuff and then number three was one of the most fascinating, intimidating, brutal par fives. Uh, just a big time downhill, dog like left, uh, never going to have a flat lie on that hole. Absolutely brutal green. Our Sherpa Sophia made one of the greatest birdies in the history of golf on that hole, I think. Uh, just really fascinating stuff. What What'd you guys like about Michigan? A great piece of land. You're kind of playing up, you know, up onto the hill. For one of the nines, and then the other nine, you're kind of playing along the the outside, or the side of the hill. Uh, I thought the par threes were exceptional. You know, th- I think three could definitely use some tree removal on there. 
like some of those greens, like the one that that you mentioned on the short four was six, like six. six. The green on fourteen, uh, on fourteen, 14 the par was three. Well, they're like these yeah. these hourglass shaped greens that. The, it's almost like two greens. The hole yeah. could change so drastically day to day based on where the. Pin I'd say is. horseshoe pointing sideways. Right, like top tier, yeah, and then wraps around, gets skinny, and then there's a bottom tier. There are a lot of greens out there that um, you could almost do like the sweetens things, right? Where you, you just have two pins in some of those greens because you're never going to hit it. You're never going to accidentally hit it by the other one. You know what I mean? It's it's basically two different golf holes. I thought six was one of the best, like best green sites I've seen for a par four this year. It was just just so handsome. Eight was really cool. Great, great par three. Mm. One of those par threes, they have to look and see where the pin is when they're setting the tee markers out each day because you can get blocked out by a tree <laughs> up by the green. Like I, I was expecting it to be a lot, say, scruffier or rough around the edges because I'd heard so many people say, hey, it's it's calling out for a restoration. But I think that's actually, like, A, I was so impressed by the firmness of the greens, the speed of the greens, the the size of the greens even. Um, there's certainly some that could probably be pushed out a little bit more even, but the bones are there to make this like this, this is easily a top 100 course in the country if yeah. they do it right. It was a, it was a sneaky hard walk. I, I thought it was just a sneaky hard course. Yeah. So that, <laughs> that's know, it, well said. The, the, my only, uh, recommendation and, and perhaps I could propose to you guys, maybe we make a, uh, an anonymous donation. I would have loved to have some bells. Sure. On, on, you know, I felt like they're good on Michigan's good on money. I'm not saying I would love money. some bells in the fairway. <laughs> hey, ring the bell when you've cleared because I felt like I was hitting into the group ahead of us. I felt like you guys behind us were hitting into me. Balls going everywhere. Some of these holes switching back. Some holes you're playing up the, the wrong fairway. So the blind shots being the first time you've played it, like obviously that shot gets easier and easier if it's a college course and you're playing it every day. I like flourishes like that where there's a, I love bells on on courses, so I think that would be a just a you good can addition. tag them. Well, no, I no, that's I wouldn't tag the bell. I never ta- and I I want to put on record I didn't tag the bell at Wilmington. Okay, <laughs> did not tag that bell. That that tag was already there. You're, the introdu- uh, you're introducing evidence. No, to, to I the court tagged here. the water fountain at the uh, you know at the restroom on like six or seven. I did not tag the bell. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the Ann Arbor Police Department. Yeah. Um, oh, the campus police department. The campus, uh, sorry, the Mi- University yeah. of Michigan uh, Police Department. Some of the response teams, you know, response times like we've never seen. Like we've never seen. There was an unmanned aircraft, <laughs> uh, two of them that were circling the property that uh, they made prompt arrival and uh, grounded the aircraft quickly. Whose drone is this? Identify yourself. And then they gave us great breakfast recommendations after they that. did we uh we had a great rapport with them but it turns out that there was miscommunication on our permission to get aerial footage of the golf course and uh, a police car was i think scrambled was the right word up the 10th the 10th hole in the car path and met me uh by the sixth green to say hey get that drone out of the air and uh detained me and interrogated me no it was uh, they were very kind but yeah it turned out we may not have aerial footage of this one. Big, what'd you think? I loved it. I, you know, it's the good doctor, right? I was, the thing reflecting on it that I was most surprised about was the elevation changes. I don't know why in my mind, I, I don't think of Ann Arbor. Uh, I just kind of thought of it as flat, I guess. Like you said, going up the hill and then those views back into town and seeing the campus, those were among my favorite, you know, especially like the ninth and 18th holes. But yeah, that that's a. I mean, that would almost make me reconsider my college choice to go up there and be able to play that course. You know, dozens of times uh, each year. It. I was 
Really, really enjoy it. The Can't only, wait to get back there and play it. The only problem is you don't get to play it when you're at school that much because it's short season. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly. Great reason to stick around in the summer. Yeah. Find some summer classes. I think we do have to talk about the uh, 18th hole. Great tee shot. Polar, great, polarizing hole, I think. Great, great view uh, from the tee, but maybe not the greatest. Good green, too. The, the green totally fit the hole. It's, just, there's, it's this downhill par four. It what was the deal? They added the pond 455 later? 455 yards. It used to be a stream, but part of the drainage and irrigation and, and water management for the whole campus, it's it's somewhere where I guess the, the clubhouse would, would flood every, every few years. So, yeah, so they basically added this big pond. And it's a pretty, like, it's a tough drive. There's this massive bunker down the right, and you've got to, but, like, there's no, it makes no sense to take on the bunker and try to fly it because it's directly downhill after the bunker into the pond as well. So you're basically just left with, like, laying back off the tee so you can hit a 210-yard shot into a, you know, a a massive green, but it's still a 210-yard shot over water at a campus course. It was just an uncomfortable golf course. It just pr- yeah. pr- provided a lot of shots that were just not cozy. I pl- I've played a lot of golf in Florida since moving down here, obviously, and just felt exposed a little bit out there in terms of like, oh, a jumper, uphill, <laughs> gap wedge to a tucked pin, having no idea how this is going to come out. Like It just reintroduced elements of golf to me that I haven't really experienced in a long time that being this early on the trip. And uh, it, it you would get you would get so much better at golf playing that golf course. Even seven, it's like a three hundred and seventy yard par four down a hill, and you're hitting there, and you're and you're left with all right. If you had driver, you're probably running off the right side of the fairway. You got to shape shots out there to hold fairways. Forty yard shot into a green that you know slims up down you know back right. It, there's just there's a lot of strategy and a lot of layers there. Yeah, I would put it. You know, having played Scarlet Yale. Stanford now, Suwanee. I would put it right there. It's neck and neck with Yale for yeah. best best in the country. I would toss Taconic in there too. Uh, of Same. course you would. Same. For sure. For of sure. course you would. Let's check in briefly with our friends at Walker Trolley. The Walker Trolley Cape 1.5 is the number one premium push cart in the market, bringing classic style with an ample use of modern technology. If you prefer to play golf at three miles an hour, then the Cape 1.5's polished aluminum frame and use of wax canvas and leather creates a trolley that stands out all over the golf course. I cannot play a round of golf where I don't get asked about this trolley in some way. I actually have it on loan right now to a golfer friend of ours who is playing uh, in Q School right now. He wanted to take it out on Q School. How cool is that? It's not only the an outstanding product that makes Walker Trolley different. The company prides itself on its outstanding customer service. It's a company of golfers making an outstanding product for golfers. And for a limited time, the company's flagship trolley is on sale. If you've been on the fence about pulling the trigger on one of these things, now is the perfect time to get yourself a Walker Trolley. Go to walkertrolleys.com and just for No Laying Up listeners, use code NOLAYINGUP20 to get an additional $20 off your purchase. Walk the game in style with Walker Trolleys because golf was meant to be played at three miles an hour. Let's keep it going with the pod. So next up, we headed west uh, a couple hours towards Grand Rapids. Did a little divide and conquer. TC, DJ, and I went out to play Pilgrim's Run. The Strat Boys went to play Diamond Springs, and then we met uh, up in the evening and got nine holes in on the mines. We're going to go to Pilgrim's Run first. I promise Randy's going to get to break down some courses here on the back half. We, we saved him for the for the Boyne section for the most part. But I want you guys to check me if uh, DJ and, and Tron that were there on this day, check me if I get into any hyperbole uh, talking about this golf course. I walked off like wondering, like, 
all right, am I overreacting here? Like, am I am I losing my shit? Like, it, how or much like, I love this place? Like, what am I missing? Right? Like, what, 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 yeah, what's what's going on here, right? Because that is truly one of the I'm try I'm, I have not come up with a name of a course, a public non resort course where I've had a better experience. Yeah, like bar none. We haven't even talked about the price yet, which the price is between forty seven and seventy one dollars to play this golf course that is immaculate, and I, I've. We're going to go through a lot of golf holes, and it is a par. And so it's this course opened in 1997, uh, Mike DeVries design, par 73, uh, laid out in this in a wooded area. And Doak wrote in the confidential guide to golf courses, uh, the program for this course sounds like a complete disaster, uh, where six of the developer's friends were entrusted to design three holes each uh, with the help of a young architect and superintendent to build them. It seems like DeVries and the architects had a little more leeway than uh, than the than the designers had laying it out. But which a little bit of background on that? So it was the Van Campen Fund, I believe, out of Chicago. The guy had had purchased the land and was kind of trying to do almost like a a fun program for I think six of like his best employees. So imagine that your boss says, "Hey, I just bought this land. Uh, why don't you know you six are my brain trust? Why don't you each?" pick three holes and just go design them. And so guys were horse trading on, you know, oh, well, I don't want to have a par five and a par four and a par four. I want to have a par three or I want to have a three, a four and a five. And so just imagine how hard it is to design a golf course in general and imagine trying to do it like that and being someone like Mike DeVries, who is, you know, well-decorated shaper architect for, you know, a number of people leading up to his own solo design career, like inheriting all these plans and then making them into a cohesive, cogent, uh, golf course. It, it's, it's absolutely befuddling and shocking that it turned out as well as it possible as it did. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. It's truly not a, it's not a walking course. Uh, yeah. You I want to get two yeah. things out of the way and that my, two of my favorite things in golf are walkability and turf conditions. I love to walk. I love connected golf courses and I love courses that play fast and firm. And this course had neither of those things. And I'm still about to just go absolutely apeshit about this golf course. It's the one I've thought the most about since we left. And the fa again, the fact that it's maximum $71 just blew my fucking mind. I mean, the width is tremendous. It's carved out of a forest and trees, but every single hole, there's breathing room. If you are behind trees, it's probably because you took on risk and you probably deserve to be behind that tree. There is a safe route every single hole. The trees are set very well back from the conservative lines of play. Again, there's a couple holes, you know, where you might try to cut a corner or, you know, shape one around there and you know you're bringing on the risk, but it is truly your own prerogative if that's the case. And something I want to, I, I, something interesting I noted about the, all the DeVries courses we played on this trip. What I thought about the first hole fell in line almost perfectly with what I felt about the golf course at the end of the day. Like the the, 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 right? the, the, the first holes uh, set the exact tone for what my overall takeaway of the golf course was. And the first hole, a brilliant par five. And now we're going to talk uh, a, a lot of DeVries here, but. The, these all of these holes being such great scene setters. This is a par five. It bends to the left. You're welcome to try to cut off as much as you want if you play over a left bunker. Uh, but this is going to bring that left tree line into play. If you don't, if you try that, if you don't cut the corner, there's a good chance you're going to run into the bunkers that protect the right. Uh, the fairway then snakes back to the left, and your path to the hole from the right side is like clear through a shoot of trees which just like blew my mind. Uh, but if you cut off, if you go hook it around the corner and cut it off, you actually have trees in your way and you'll have to draw and fade around them. 
Then you got to think about those trees on your layup. The third shot is interesting. The layup shot is interesting. The green is interesting when you get up there. The bunkering around it is interesting. The big dip, if you're trying to come in from the right side, is interesting. That like trying to like like take in that hole after the, you know just kind of rolling out of the car. I was just like, holy shit, man! Like, what are we? It, honestly, I think we walked off that green, and I just looked at, at DJ and Tron. And I was like, you know what? Fuck Tory Pines. Like, this is what this is what golf design looks like, okay? Like, that is so thoughtful, so interesting for all skill levels. Every shot that was involved in that, like, I just was like, you know what? We're not wrong about ripping on some certain golf courses that don't require strategy because this whole, like, started, defined it. We started playing the game, like, would you rather play here or Yeah. We just here. started naming off, like, pretty elite private courses and, like, this and – Pilgrims run one one out against very 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 many courses that you could that you could name. And I there think, was there was so much substance like five, you know par four five is just a you know regular par four but like ton of variety eight six is one we got to talk about 18, six, 17, 16. like there's just so many cool holes. I thought one of the best holes we played on the entire trip was number thirteen. Oh God, yeah, par five, just one of the most handsome fall-offs on the screen and it was something that we saw with from DeVries over and over and over again and a lot of and it never got old it was like almost Augusta-esque with the the way that uh you know these long broad slopes you know fall off off of a green I think what what blew my mind about Pilgrim's Run was it, it felt like a course that I had been to a thousand times and I remember a lot of these kind of from growing up this is a very random pull but I remember a place like Aldine golf club in Rockford, Illinois, just like these kind of like mid-tier, like semi-upscale public golf courses that are usually around a hundred bucks where you show up and it's like, all right, here's your range bucket uh, ticket that comes with your greens fee. Here's your hot dog package deal. You get this and this with your hot dog. And here's, you know, we have this kind of uh, membership for the season. If you want to buy, here's this package. And, you know, you, you, just never see those golf courses being like exceptional architecture. Exceptional. <laughs> They're always just like immaculate. They always usually have super lush, really green greens, uh, but they just never seem to have really, really, really high end golf courses. And this totally did. It was it was mind blowing how how many boxes it checked. I, I know that some of this stuff doesn't translate, but I have still have several more holes I need to need to break down. The sixth hole, uh, well, I, I try to find what it was. It was rated as one of the best holes in Michigan, or or something I think like the that. Best sixth hole in Michigan. Best sixth hole in Michigan. It, it won the, the composite. composite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tremendous par five. Big downhill tee shot with it, and the hole just bends to the right. Super wide fairway, but a center-ish line bunker that actually protects like the right center of the fairway. Which, sure enough, you stand on that tee box. It is the exact line you want to take. And we had the wind in our face. And I was like, I tried to do a hero carry that bunker. Got eaten alive by it. It just, the hole, the, it was so well designed. I love being caught by a hole that I know what the challenge is. And they're asking the question. I try to take it on and I fail. That is the most enjoyable failing in golf. And awesome uphill shot to this green protected by bunkers. It's just a tremendous golf hole. And then TC mentioned the 13th. It is a mind-bending par five. I mean, the fairway pinches in and bends to the left, but it can'ts to the right. It kind of reminded me of the tee shot on number four at Pinehurst number two, where, you know, you want to kind of draw one to go against the slope that's banking from left to right. Uh, and if you want to get there in two, like it is going to require two great shots. And and the, the approach shot, everything's kind of banking from left to right. You can use a kicker left of the green, and then there's a fall-off short right of that green with, with short grass. There's so many great fall-offs around the greens with short grass. 
two centerline bunkers that are actually way short of the green. They kind of distract you from that shot. It was the most thrilling shot I can remember hitting in the trip was the approach shot into that green. And then I've never seen an 18th hole, a drivable 18th hole. Eh, that's not true. I've seen some drivable 18th holes, but uh, I don't see, don't see many stateside, right? North Barrick kind of comes to mind yeah. with an easy kind of drivable four. But this one, again, you can take on all the junk to the right. Like you will be lost ball if you miss this green to the right. But you can try to drive this green. There's a, uh, if you want to bail left, you are gonna, you're not even going to be able to see the green surface from greenside because the slope is so big next to it. Just incredible shot value from holes one through 18. I went through it last night without looking anything up. And I could vividly picture 17 of the 18 holes. I struggled with one hole in the back. I couldn't quite figure out which one was which. That is just such a mark of an incredible golf course. I skipped over like four other really standout holes just just for the sake of time. And I I, I don't think it's hyperbole to say like this is the model for public golf in America. And, you know, it's a bit out there. It's maybe 30 minutes from Grand Rapids. That's important, right? It's not engulfed by homes. It's not surrounded by homes. It's not likely. A lot of golf courses I grew up playing were had homes around it. And the land just became too valuable to have golf on anymore. It became made more sense to sell it and build houses on it. I don't get the sense that's going to happen out in this forest. It's incredibly well managed. It's affordable for the users. And I do. I am sorry if this causes an influx of people playing there that uh, and ruining it. This like hidden gem for the people that do play it. But I can't stop thinking about it. The conditioning's perfect, and I'm I'm just smitten. Well, another thing that kind of made me laugh when we teed off the starter was like, hey, it's it's jammed out there, man. Like. You know, basically, like I think he saw the camera and was kind of like, you know, like keep up, like it's it's packed. We didn't see another fucking group the whole time we were out there, and a lot of that is like we were joking about this with Solly. Not joking. He's like, you know, like he's almost like looking around, like seeing if anybody could hear him before he says this. But he's like, you know, it's it's almost like Pine Valley. Like every hole is like totally <laughs> unto itself. Like you just you feel like you're completely alone out there, and you're just doing your own thing. It's it's really awesome. Well, and they were they're so on it with the, with all the with all the <laughs> maintenance and like it's in such good shape like it's not firm like hey they've gotten so much rain and everything it was it was relatively firm but it's just not it's not a fast course right they were doing all sorts of uh cleaning up the cart pass they were edging, edging the, the cart, cart pass, pass which is and, a good sign that you have your shit together yeah. if that's <laughs> Ken, you got the maintenance crew working Ken, the superintendent and we talked to jeff for a little bit the uh, director of golf he was fantastic just a well-oiled operation the only hole i, I didn't really care for was number nine because I just felt like they had all this land to work with next to 18 there, and they picked this kind of nondescript. Yeah. I thought about nine also, but the green site was really cool, and, like, they had elevated that green just a little bit. Like, I remember when we first showed up, like, it's one of the first greens you see, and you're just like, oh, okay, that's what we're in for today. Like, each each green is thoughtfully designed, and that is just – and shout-out to Andy Johnson, who's, you know, identified a lot of these courses around Grand Rapids and a big reason why we – you know, ended up there, but like this, if if you're looking for publicly accessible, great architecture, Pilgrim's Run is quite is honestly coming like top of mind in my mind. Yeah. Which so. on these courses we're talking about, we'll talk about Diamond Springs next. You can play Diamond Springs, the Mines, Pilgrim's Run, three courses for like a hundred and fifty, a hundred and sixty dollars, like max. Yeah, and go and and fly direct into Grand Rapids or drive over from Chicago. Downtown Grand Rapids, there's a great bar scene, restaurant scene, breweries, all that. Like, what a, like, might be the ultimate. That's what Andy kept saying. Trip. Yeah, he's like, there. If you can find a better, better bang for your buck, more affordable buddies trip in America, like, I, you know, I haven't seen it, and that's where it, it, it kind of, it's so cool because there's, there's a lot of people obviously who listen to this podcast, who, who follow our stuff that, 
you know, know what Bandon's all about, know what Stream Song and Sand Valley, and they take the game very, very seriously, and they love seeing those places. But there's also a lot of people who don't take the game that seriously, right? Who just, you know, might be 20, 25 handicaps who just are getting into the game or just don't maybe understand what makes a great golf course a great golf course. And this is such a good way to go see it for, you know, less than $5,000 or whatever it's going to cost you to go to those other places. I, I Tron and I grew up playing the Robert Trent Jones golf trail in Alabama, like going over there for tournaments. If anything from Taurus Sauce, I hope a Mike DeVries trail comes about <laughs> yeah. because it was like, this is a perfect example of a collection of the same architect and, uh, you know, I didn't play Pilgrim's Run, but I feel like when we talk about Diamond Springs here, it's going to be, you know, we might as well just copy and paste the conversation we just had. I, I was, I what was a like, transition. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. I was going to say that, you know? So, yeah. So, Randy and I went out and played Diamond Springs with Andy Johnson uh, of the Shotgun Start and Fried Egg fame. I would say that I enjoyed or improved my enjoyment of the round immensely um, just because uh, he wrote a really good piece on his website, which I'll draw from here in a second. But you He know, swings so hard. Well, just a great, no, he's a great, uh, you know, architectural mind. Watching him geek out on architecture, he and Randy debate the, uh, you know, the value of centerline ponds and centerline <laughs> trees was was probably the highlight of my day. But from just specific to Diamond Springs, it's in Hamilton, Michigan. It's about 40 minutes outside of Grand Rapids. The other direction. The other direction. Uh, and a solid, it's a, it's a strong 40, not like a, you know, oh, if there's no traffic. It's, <laughs> you know, you're you're out there in what feels like the middle of nowhere. And then you come upon this course and, you know, three words, value, 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 baby. $35 to play probably maybe gets up to, uh, you know, 50 or 60 at times. But I mean, truly like that's a something I'd seek out for $100. And um, single cut everywhere. Yeah. So we'll get to that. But from Andy's piece on the fried egg, which I'd encourage people to read, it was built, founded in 2002 by a group of investors. They, hi- they hired a talented young architect, Mike DeVries, uh, gave him a nice piece of land and the task to build an affordable golf course. It's currently owned by Mike Schroten Bohr, I believe is how you pronounce it. He has owned it the last five, six years. We actually got a chance to talk to him. One thing I noticed there and at the mines, it felt like the owner is on site. He is involved. It felt like his place, and I love that, and, it, and that kind of shows through. And uh, there's a lot of pride in, like, the golf course. It's not owned by a massive corporation. It's not owned by an owner that lives five states away. It's just like, yo, this is, this is my – I bought this course. I thought it would, you know, be a good business, and I'm trying to make it work. And not to – yeah, not to get too heavy about it, but that felt like all of Grand Rapids, right, where yeah. it's just – and it feels like – you know, Sally, you mentioned it, but a lot of those, a lot of the courses, I know the course I grew up on, probably a lot of the courses you grew up on, like, are a lot of those family owned golf courses that just don't exist anymore. Right. And like, that's such an essential part of kind of the golf landscape. And it just feels like some of the the middle of that landscape is being ripped out. And it feels like the, the bandons are getting a lot better. And the Jack's Beach munis are getting a lot better. If you have a municipality who's willing to invest in those sorts of things. But a lot of that middle ground just really seems like it's being ripped out and golf doesn't make sense as a business Yeah, for a lot of those families anymore. And it was really awesome and unique and uh, almost like, I, I don't know, almost like nostalgic, I guess, to, to kind of see Grand Rapids be a place where that was absolutely thriving. Well, you kind of, I mean, we kind of, I don't know when I came to this realization or even if you guys would agree with it, but it, it seems like for public golf, it either requires a really well-run muni which are few and far between. We're fortunate enough to have one here close by, but 
It's either that or like somebody who is just willing to take a bath on a golf course. Yeah. Like on just it's not gonna be it's not a great business. It's not profit. If you are if you are looking for a well maintained, affordable golf course, like whoever owns that golf course is probably not making money off that. If if they are, they are churning out so many people on it that the, the experience is not gonna be right. Very good. Especially when it's a season like Michigan. Yeah. yeah. That's the craziest part that this exists in Grand Rapids. I mean, one thing if it was a year-long season down here in Florida or Arizona right. or somewhere, but you're talking about a seven-month season. Well, I think there's some stuff to glean, though. Like, I have uh, three things, like, what did I like? I try to sum it up. And the first is, one is maintenance, right? So this is, again, from Andy's piece, but it kind of summed up how I was feeling is, quote, 95% of public golf courses should take a closer look at Diamond Springs maintenance practices. It employs a single cut height of grass across the property and native grass to contrast it, um, which I thought was awesome. The course plays pretty wide, and then the heather is – it's not really watered, but so it's not very thick. And Randy and I were talking about this out there. If you hit it in the heather, it is a penalty, but it's not a lost ball. And I just wish that more courses – That's like, I the wish, best. I wish Michigan played a little bit like that. The uh, U of M course, it was like if you hit it in the heather, you're – you're boned, right? And so, but if you hit it in the Heather here, you still have a shot, but you, it's going to affect a lot of a lot of variables. It's and I feel that way at Pinehurst number two, where if you hit it in the native area, it's like, oh, you might have a look, but it's you're going to be thinking about your lie and you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. Period. So I loved that, and and I loved thinking about that as like, man, oh, this is just a perfect um, straw man for golf around the country. Like, make it make it easy on yourself, guys. Like, just. Single, everything was just the same length until you, you know, were in the in the shit. Basically, the routing was another thing I loved. I felt like it weaved in and out, but I never had a question of where the next hole was. Which I hate when I'm on a course and it's like, which direction am I going? Every hole, as Solly said, felt like its own environment. But there was always a peak at the next hole, either through like a you know a stand of trees where you're like, and and it just had my like synapses firing, like curiosity, like oh man, what's what's next, right? And then you would go through these trees and almost like going through the wardrobe and C.S. Lewis book. Like, oh, my God, I'm in a whole different place now. <laughs> and so like every hole is like its own environment, but you're still getting a peek at what's coming. Uh, so that felt like, in a way, abandoned trails. You're on a walk in the woods, but the path is very, very well designed, very marked. So you're not going to get lost, which I really, really liked. Uh, and then just strategic. So this is going to be a little bit of echoing what Solly said. One thing that stuck out to me, Solly, was I feel the same way after a uh, trip where we played 10 plus courses I remember every hole like yeah. with ease it was like oh yeah that's that's number four that's number five and that to me is like the you know one or zero test of a good golf course of and 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 one thing that he was doing out there that I loved that I wish more public golf courses would do is he was having one or two big features on each hole that were dictating the strategy mm. and some of them were really simple like a like a hogs like a speed bump mound that bisected the fairway I don't understand why more munis don't have just not a bunch of mounding. Like, we'll get to the loop. I think that is sometimes overdone. Oh, we'll get to the loop. But Amen. one big, like, mound where it's kind of like on a diagonal where, like, oh, I need to be on this side or that side of it, and then that's dictating what my next shot's going to do. Uh, there was a big ravine, Bronson Arroyo, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, Barranca, that, that was the feature of the course that the course kind of routed around. I love it when a feature like that pops up multiple times during a round, but not like all in the same spot. So you saw it early on the first hole, then you saw the ninth hole, then you saw it on the 15th hole. So it was really, really, really clever the way they used that uh, 
ravine. Usually I let these things go, but can you help me out with Bronson and Arroyo there? Arroyo is like Arroyo. a, Arroyo. Okay. Like a small canyon. Geographic feature. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So that's a geographic Mainly feature. Like I, call it, I call it a Bronson Arroyo. Arroyo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it just hit very close to home with being a Reds fan. <laughs> it's, it's a Bronson Arroyo. Oh, like, like I would, like I look forward to, I plan to go back a, to Grand Rapids next summer at some point because I, I, like, I, I didn't get to play Diamond Springs. I want to go play Diamond Springs and then I think that brings us to our next one, the mines. Well, well no, hold on, oh, hold sorry, on. So, I'm, and I have a few more things I'd like to say <laughs> oh as well. I, I have not seated the mic. I will, Randy. I would like to uh, to uh, ask you, how did you feel about Diamond Springs? Yeah, it was great. I, I think you did a great job breaking down what what made it great. I guess where I wanted to ask you, Neil, was talking about a few of our favorite holes. I think they're. Tough competition to pick just one. I'm guessing you would pick the 15th, the short par four. But before we get there, I just wanted to mention uh, the fifth hole is probably the wackiest, wildest green that we played on the trip, I think. Uh, it's a par three, decent length. Uh, we played it, I think, around 180 to 190. And it's like a, a Redan into a Beeritz. So it's got this, like, I guess a reverse Redan. It's got this, like, build up left side that can kick the ball down into this long green that has a, a swale in the middle of it that that tickled my fancy there neil so i wanted to shout that one out and then i really like the 11th the par five with the centerline trees i was shocked that you know I, I think a lot of the customers aren't necessarily fans of the centerline trees i truly don't understand that i, I think a good centerline tree is one of the more interesting features that a hole can have because it, it just tests you in a multitude of ways, right? Both left, right, up, down. It forces you to, to really pick a shot, pick a route, but it also gives you a lot of creativity and flexibility in which to to navigate. And I thought so, the, that hole was fair too. Like it was wide enough. There wasn't a ton of trouble by the green, but I also love it when a hazard comes into play on both. It, it's it's on your mind on the drive and on the second shot because if you're if they're in the way, then you're thinking about it on the next shot. So I agree with you. 11 was great. You nailed it. And when it's asking a clear question, like sure. when you know exactly what you need to do. And I heard there was a centerline pond out there too. Number six. Blind centerline pond. Mm. It, I would have liked it to be a little bit more blind. Uh, <laughs> they had some stakes up around it, oh. so it kind of gave it away as uh, a water feature. But yeah, the, the centerline pond is provocative. <laughs> Neil and Andy, you know, it. The architect wasn't asking them the question. He was only asking me the specific question. Uh, those guys flew it way past the centerline pond, but I had to navigate it. I played a little little squirter, kept it right, and it was fun. I got a big thrill out of it. Yeah. Um, not as surprised to learn that people don't like that feature, though. <laughs> I think the uh, the back-to-back, -back, the 15th uh, hole and the 16th hole were probably two of my favorite on the trip. Uh, the 15th is a reachable par four. Um, I think Andy also sums it up well in his piece. One of the most dramatic short par fours in golf. The 15th fits the land beautifully. Uh, to describe it, it's the ravine that I mentioned earlier is uh, squarely in your view, and it's all the way up the right side. The green sits perched above it. On the tee, it looks like you have this very skinny landing area, and, and the ideal layup is right next to the hazard. What you don't see, especially on your first time playing it, is that there's about 50 yards left down this hill where you can lay up to, which is a very easy layup. Now, if you hit it there, you're going to be approaching the green from a pretty much blind or semi-blind wedge shot into a, a pretty, you know, from that angle, skinny green. So it's not a guaranteed par. It's not obvious to lay up. And then what else Mike does is there's, it, 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 he introduces doubt on the tee where 
the full carry to the green is about 300 yards. But then there's like a 250, like the fairway wraps around and you, you start to, I don't know, bargain with yourself. Oh, well, you know, if I take this line, I only have to carry it 250, 260. That layup looks really shitty. I don't want to do that, you know. And so it just, it, there's a ton of options off the tee that, that I just think introduce like a, um, a very stimulating conversation with yourself, uh, which is awesome. The 16th hole is a short par five. Uh, On site, Andy and I nicknamed it the credit card hole. Uh, where you're just putting off, you're putting off the the trouble. You can put it off all the way down the hole. So the the ravine is all the way down the right, and you can just there's miles of room left, both on the drive and on the second shot, and you can just keep hanging up the left. It's a short par five, so but eventually, but eventually, which is what happened to me. I had a you know six six or seven iron on my second shot, but it's a very skinny green that's perched up on the ravine, and it's like oh I just missed left, you're so I missed minimum, left minimum pavements, and then you have a, a chip to a a very skinny green from that angle with just the ravine just waiting for you behind. So it's like, hey, I've been making these minimum payments on this credit card. All <laughs> it's of a sudden, thirty bucks a month. I don't all know what of a sudden, the interest rates up to forty percent, and they've sent me to collections. <laughs> and I, I gotta make this big ass shot here coming down the stretch. And I thought that was really, really good design, just lulling you into, yeah, man, you know. Just, yeah, minimum payments, totally fine. Yeah, we'll take that. And then just later on, boom, they're going to drop the APR hammer on you. Bomb. Yeah. So, so, so I think the loop was brought to you by MasterCard as yeah, well. Yeah, I got a, I got a real Cap, kick out of that Capital hole. One. Loop. So uh, I think, you know, I, and I've thought about this as a provocative statement, but I would say Diamond Springs, we'll talk about Kingsley. I loved it. I think Diamond Springs might have been my favorite course of the trip. I really do. I just had so much fun. It was just really fun, thoughtful golf, and it just felt like this is – sustainable we can do it, it, it there wasn't a lot of the guilt factor that sometimes i feel playing golf like oh this place is it takes so much money it's private like sometimes you're like man i you know this isn't this isn't the way it should be that diamond springs is how it should be so what a ringing endorsement hmm. yeah it's yeah. awesome and like i'll make the minds quick because i think not to shortchange it but it's just it's the same themes again yeah it but even in a different sense so we we went out we played twilight on uh, the back nine, and Andy was raving about the first four holes. The place was slammed, like legitimately. We teed up at like six forty. Not a yeah. not a spot in the parking lot. There, there weren't any carts left. Like, I think was, a big reason for that too is it. It almost feels like it's in downtown Grand Rapids, it's right? Like it's four five, minutes, from four or five minutes from downtown. It's it's an absolute like roller coaster golf course. I mean, outrageous, well, outrageous land. So I think that's the thing. It's on the it's on the. The side of an old gypsum mine, the front nine and back nine kind of plays over a road and then under some power lines. And it's it's definitely a an interesting piece of property. There's a lot of severity in certain spots. As far as holes to call out, like and it's again, it's like independently owned. Yeah, new new ownership looking to just, you know, same kind of thing, just looking to make a, a very honest go of uh of family owned golf course. It's like it's awesome. thirty to sixty dollars. We played the alternate tee on eleven, which that's a theme that we saw again at Kingsley later on that we'll talk about a little bit more. It's par three. 13, 14, 15, and 17 are like absolutely bananas. Like three of the last six holes, or I think three of the last five holes out there, 468-yard par four, 475-yard par four, 468-yard par four. A lot of golf with, course. With wild, <laughs> wild undulations and slopes. Like there was there was stuff out there that I saw at, at like Crystal Downs and at, and at Gray Walls and and. I think that's the thing with DeVries is like you see the guy grew up playing, like working at and playing Crystal Downs. And that was kind of his introduction to golf. And you see those themes so inherent everywhere else. And 
really uh, the uh, university course as well. Like you see those themes presenting themselves. Like the horseshoe green is the same thing. They've got it on number six or on number uh, seven at Crystal Downs. You know, <laughs> DeVries decidedly not Mumford and Sons. No, it, I, it's interesting <laughs> you said that because one, I had a, uh, something for, maybe more, more for DJ, but Diamond Springs. And it sounds like maybe Pilgrim's Run. It was a band. I would say Weezer. On its face, it looks like very what I, simple, simple music. But yeah. then the, the deeper you get into it, it's like, you, there's what, some yeah, good you, stuff going on here. Why don't you go try and write a real simple yeah. song? It's not as easy as you so, think. Try, yeah. Why don't you try it? Yeah. You know, with, with a few, like one or two hooks, really simple song yeah. structure. Let's see how easy it is for you to make that interesting over and over and over again. <laughs> exactly. That you can't do it. Totally. So, so I, I think biggest thing with the minds is it's a lot more turned up than... Pilgrims Run. That's it's what like, I'm saying. It's, it's like it's their Mike's ratitude. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a in a super cool way. You could play it short if you want to, and you could you can ease off. And you're gonna have just as good of a time. But man, it's like there's just some really provocative shit out there, like well, you said. Right. I think here. it speaks to Mike kept saying this over and over, but you know he he kept calling himself a reactionary architect, right? Where he he's reacting to whatever the land is, which I think is you know another way of saying minimalist, and it's something you you hear from quite a few different architects, but just seeing the way he treated, uh, it, it wasn't him imposing his will on any of these pieces of land, right? It wasn't, it wasn't him showing up and saying like, yeah, yeah no, I'm going to totally be minimalist, but like, let's, well, well, let's take that hill out or let's blow out a big hole over there or, or whatever. It was truly just like, Hey man, here's what the land has given us. And yeah, the mines is going to be pretty fucking severe because that's what the land is. And it was just really cool to see that restraint and see him, uh, you know, we saw a bunch of different Mike DeVries golf courses, and I think they all felt very different because they were all on very different pieces of land. So that's a which, credit to Mike. It's which, really to clarify, cool. that's what I meant by yes. not being uh, Mumford and Sons. Exactly. Like, you don't know what you're getting when right. you step on a. If you go into DeVries course blind, it's not like you're getting something textbook. It's, yeah. it, it, you know, his style is. We saw many different styles from him just uh, on the, on this trip. But. Yeah. And then I think going, like, just moving ahead, we, we drank some great beer in Grand Rapids. Um, for the itinerary crowd, DJ and I, we skipped uh, American Dunes, the uh, Jack Nicholas Jack Nicholas tribute course. Tribute course <laughs> that you know he's supposed to be giving a tribute to the military, but he's actually giving a tribute to Jack Nicholas on every single hole, um, <laughs> which you know just fascinating stuff from Jack there. And then after this one, we ripped across face and and got up north into Ross Common. which now we enter the. I think it's it's safe to call this the big Randy leg uh, of the trip. Um, impassioned impassioned uh for the loop fan which we'll get to uh but first Randy, why don't you take us to to forest dunes can i interest you guys in immaculate conditioning fast greens and an intriguing layout because, you can uh, that's kind of forest dunes in a nutshell when i say forest dunes forest dunes is now you know people know it as a resort with many golf courses, two of those being the the routings at the loop. They have a new short course. But Forest Dunes, the course Forest Dunes, that that is the original course there and where the resort gets its name. It's a Tom Weiskopf design, opened in 2002, completely public. Uh, pricing ranges, depending on the season, you know, you can play any, just under 100 bucks, probably up to a couple hundred bucks. And I have to admit, I, I want to start with something. I've played Forest Dunes Oh gosh, now three or four times. And the name of it completely sailed over my head uh, until this time around. Forest Dunes. The front nine <coughs> runs through forest. The back nine is through dunes landscape. And I never 
<laughs> sheepishly, I'd never made that connection. Should be uh, a forest, now, then dunes. Yeah. So now it, it makes total sense forest, to me. Forest, comma, dunes. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of what you can expect. The front nine, you know, the the thing that just keeps coming to me is it's just like handsome, proper golf. It, it's going to test you in a way that like a classic... I, I, it's just a classic kind of difficult test of golf. You, you have to position your ball. You have to execute good shots. You got to fly certain distances. You got to make putts. Um, it, it's not tricky necessarily, right? You, you're not going to, you know, get a ton of like bad breaks. I, I think you walk off forest dunes and you can be pretty confident that, Hey, my number was a well-deserved number, whatever, whatever that would be. It's penal. Like there's, yeah. there's lost balls and water hazards waiting for you. You know, one or the other on every hole is, is how I, I felt out there, which, which I didn't think unfairly penal, but like in the classic sense of American golf of like, yo, don't hit it here because like, you're going to lose the ball. You're going to have a bad time. I, th- I thought it was only like thing I would love to change about it. Just could use a little more width, right? Some of those holes back through the trees are, you know, so they're strong tests of golf, but like between a foursome, you're probably going to be looking for some golf balls. That that's kind of my my takeaway on it. And seeing like a lot of other you know new resort courses pop up, like width seems to be a very very common theme on almost all of them. And that comparing the width like at Forest Dunes to even the Loop and on the same property and a lot of other courses we played on this trip, that was that was one thing that just that was the only thing I really wanted for on, on that golf course because like you said, it was interesting greens, interesting design. Fun shot value. I really enjoyed the challenge. It was just, it was difficult. It is a difficult golf course. We came out it, to it, see you guys. Uh, like we'd we'd gotten there late after our you know sojourn up the coast, <laughs> and uh, it, it was fascinating to see just how firm the greens were. Yeah, the thud. The thud, like when you know watching you guys play into the by hole there, and you know hitting wedges in and seeing them take one hop and not even think about. Um, you know, spinning or anything like that. It was like, whoa, okay, this is this is this is turned up. This is sweet. I, Sully, I think that's interesting. I think if everywhere had width, I, I think the novel. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm glad some courses don't have a ton of width. And I, I think if you know that about Forest Dunes, it, it just presents a different challenge. Um, Especially considering and, that the loop is ultra ultra wide. You know. Yeah. So I guess I would I would push back a little there in that you know I I like going through the woods and and having to navigate trees. If you get way offline, if you're not hitting the ball well, yeah, it's going to be a long day and you're going to get frustrated. You're going to look for a ton of balls. But if you are hitting it well and then controlling your golf ball, I, I think it's you know it's it's a difficult yet challenging uh, and can be rewarding test of golf. So. Two, no, two that's, schools of thought there. I, I was going to say that's perfect because this is a very personal thing. It is not that there's anything wrong with four students, right? It's very much just like a that there are di- other people will be very much more interested in that style of play maybe than I. I would be very curious to hear like the feedback that they get from visitors on the, you know, what people like more, the loop or forest students. Cause I can totally see a certain clientele of people like not liking the loop and just being obsessed with forest students. The, 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 it's, it, we're understanding how well conditioned and how fun and playable that golf course was. It was playing firm. The rough was so much fun to hit out of the fairways were immaculate greens. Perfect. I'm not even sure which one I like more forest students or the loop. Like, and I'm a lover of all things links ish golf. So uh, just just to be clear, it was not a flaw in the golf course, just something I would prefer. 
Sure, that's fair. I, I totally accept that. Uh, just a couple holes to call out. I, I really like number eight on the front. Um, it's We played it about 420 yards. Dogleg right, bunker protecting the inside of the dogleg. Uh, so you have to really position your tee shot. And then it, it the green, it opens up uh, where the green is surrounded on the right and then uh, very deep by the lake. And I think it's a, it's a very pretty golf hole. It requires two good shots. Uh, that That's one that sticks to mind for me. And then on the back, I, I wanted to call out number 17. Uh, it's a short four. I think, you know, certainly we, we had a little game going, a little match going. It's a fun short four at a fun time in the round, right? Number 17, it plays anywhere from like 270 to 300 yards. Neil Solly, no problem reaching with driver. I had to take a different route. I laid up with a hybrid, but it's it's an interesting green, and that's one that, that kind of sticks with me from the back nine. So I think the biggest takeaways, though, for Forest Dunes are it's, it's just a really proper golf course, and that's the conditioning. That's the design. I, I think Weisskopf, I was trying to think if I have played any other Weisskopfs, and I don't I, I may have, but I didn't know it was Weisskopf, but this might be the only one. And it kind of makes me want to see some of his other work because I, I think he did uh, all in all a, a good job with Forest Dunes here. One uh, one other hole I'd call out, almost to echo a little, maybe the shortcoming Saul is talking about is number 15, par 5. Really, really beautiful hole off the tee, felt strategic. And then the second shot into the green, it's uphill, blind, and I was like, God, this green's going to be awesome. You know, it's like in this kind of grassy amphitheater. We get up there, and it's just like, ah, it was just like tiny, almost like flushing meadow pitch and putt green. And I was like, damn, man. Like, you guys, like, there's just like little things like that where I'm like, if you blew this out, like, get rid of the rough, just make it fairway. Like, it could have played so cool to be an uphill five that you can get up there and where'd my shot end up? Is it close? Is it rolling off these hills? Did I roll over the hills? And it just, some of those like magical moments, I guess, were missing out there a little bit for me. And that to that exact green, I think it was, it, it it's, I don't know, I don't know how drainage works, really. You know, I really don't. I, I, I don't, I don't, I've never designed a golf course. We're just now beginning to understand how drainage works. But it looked like, all right, well, we can't do like a punch bowl here because we need the water to go somewhere, right, on this style of turf. And that's what, like, the guy, the architects we talk the most about seem to have that figured out better than the ones that, you know, are not the ones that roll off the tip of your tongue. And that's exactly what that felt like. You crest that hill, and it's just like, oh, I see why you have rough here, and everything goes towards that drain. But, man, this would be such a cool punch bowl green, and it should be welcoming over here, but in reality, it's just not. And, and it's almost like the the foundation of the punch bowl was right there. Right. That's the part. It, I wouldn't be saying this if it wasn't, like, shaped like a punch bowl. Sure. And then it's just like, well, like, what, wait a second. Why aren't we – why can't we do that? Right. You know? And, and I'm sure that, like you said, there's probably a great reason. So maybe talking out of my ass, but it's like – I want it. I want to see it. Come on. Big, you have played another Weisskopf. Where was the place you played in Steamboat? Oh, Catamount. Is that a Weisskopf? That's a Weisskopf. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's a a fun, you know, uh, entirely different piece of land, very undulating. I was very impressed with that, too. And then he did the Cliffs course at the Olympic Club, too, the par three we played. Nice. I'm not sure if you've played Double Eagle in Columbus, but he did that. That's the only one in Columbus I haven't played. All right. Well, I think it's time. Let's let's talk about the par three course real quick. Okay. The bootlegger. Uh, Very different from what I was expecting. Uh, Very difficult. It was turned up. It was a a good preview for the loop. It was a great preview for the loop. It was uh, absolutely like 
beautiful. I, I thought it was a really pretty walk. It reminded me a lot of the cradle. Uh, very stunning. Very small, intimate kind of piece of, of land. Uh, was it 10 holes, I believe, out 12. there? Yeah. 12 holes, 10. something like ten, that. 10 or 12, yeah. Just really beautiful walk. Difficult greens. Maybe that was somewhere where the pins were, but it was it was not necessarily. I don't think we were expecting. I think on a lot of those par threes, you're expecting like let's go out and you know maybe make an ace. Yeah, there's ten holes. Like maybe we'll have six or seven shots at an ace. Uh, everybody will get all riled the up. Sandbox, which was, is yeah. like I'm smitten by the sandbox. Yeah. There's a lot of grinding for pars uh, out there, which is uh, I think a good a good lead into the loop. But which and and then just one of the more interesting soundtracks of our time playlist a lot is... Aaliyah into like the scorpions into <laughs> some poison uh, on there sure uh some maybe country like classical kelly clarkson. stuff uh it, it kelly was, clarkson yeah it was very intriguing avant-garde fun playlist place out there fun place to play the game of what song's coming on next <laughs> yes and no, nobody came close on that yeah. game uh and i think so talking about uh we stayed on site at forest dunes for for uh, two nights, we've got. I think it's it's important to to make the distinction. We played the loop as part of the duel, right? Which is you know you rarely like it's they they do this what four times a year? Three times I think. Three times. Three. Thirty yep. on the thirty first. Yep. Uh, Which is the only three days where you play the course in in two different directions on the same day with the same pins with the same pins. So so let, all right, let's let's get into the loop. The loop, of course, opened twenty sixteen. A Tom from the twisted mind of Tom Doak. You probably know at least a little bit about the loop, but if you don't, it is America's true uh, first reversible golf course. What that means is, you know, if you're playing in from the north on uh, into a green site on the black course, you're probably going to be playing in from the south or the opposite direction on the red course. It plays clockwise on black days, so it alternates uh, every other day. You play the black course or the red course. The black course plays clockwise. Uh, the red course plays counterclockwise, obviously heavily influenced by the old course at St. Andrews, which used to play as kind of a, a occasionally reversible golf course as well. 18 greens. 18 the, greens, true reversible. Uh, the and, sum of the holes on the red, if you add up the whole number on red to the whole number on black, it is it always equals 18. And a, a couple things, I mean, I, I think it's pretty, uh, hopefully it's pretty straightforward, you know, explaining kind of the reversible concept. It's the greens and tees are obviously pretty close to each other uh, for, you know, reasons that you would expect. You're, it's all pretty much the same corridors, but there's a lot of interesting stuff that has to go into the design of a place like this. Uh, we were lucky enough to sit down with Tom for 30, 40 minutes. Cody and I did a, a lengthy interview with him, and I think that honestly opened up a lot of the loop for me. Unfortunately, it was the day after we had played 36 holes. I had gotten my teeth kicked in and and full context here i shot a bazillion at the loop i i shot the high i think i shot 95 on the black course which is probably the highest round i've shot in five years and some of that is to what tron was saying when you when you're playing the duel they have a lot of good players there were a lot of plus handicaps so they were trying to set it up as difficult as possible and i think a lot of that difficulty which we'll we'll get into assuredly is in the greens it's it's a super wide golf course. There's plenty of space to drive the ball out there. The real challenge is hitting into those greens. The greens are severely undulated. Pin placements were extremely difficult where we were playing. And it, it's a lot of, you know, 370-yard par fives out there, essentially, right? It's just it's pins that are not accessible, really, really, really hard to get to. And a lot of that we can we can talk about, you know, some of the reasons behind that. But I think before we get there, just some kind of interesting like demographic stuff. I think when you, 
I think first, I know someone said this on on film when we were doing our debrief, but I mean, it's a it's a really no matter what you think of the golf course, it's a true like genius execution to lay this out, to think about it from that many different angles, to think about something as simple as, you know, to, at its most basic level, when you have a 200 yard par three, that green's going to have to be a little bit back to front, right. To be a little receptive of a long iron coming in there and then thinking about what that has to be coming back the other way so that the ball's not just completely running away from you. I know there were some, you know, instances of where it felt like that was not thought all the way through to, uh, at least, some of the folks in this, in this group, but just going through that exercise constantly 36 times and figuring out all of those different problems. And not only that, but making sure that you can, that it doesn't feel like you're playing the same eight. It feels like you're playing 36 different greens instead of playing 18 different greens. Well, the only thing I'll add, like, what I didn't have appreciation for in the middle of playing it was not moving the pins, right? Yeah. It probably, it, it probably makes a lot more sense to have like a pin you would use on the red and a pin you would use on the black and not have them overlap. Right. Like that's the way the course is designed and that's not the way we experience the course. So take that, you know, when, with some of our feedback that I think is about to come and I, uh, I think take that, keep that in mind. I think also hearing Tom talk about the piece of land that it sits on and how actually having a, a kind of more relatively boring, pretty flat, pretty nondescript piece of land is actually a benefit to a reversible golf course because you just can't do, you know, you can't have big, massive elevation changes where you're, you're hitting this dramatic, great tee shot downhill to this scenic par three. I mean, when that plays the other way and you got to all of a sudden hit up 40 feet, 50 feet, like it just doesn't work. And so extrapolate that out towards, you know, really big mounds or, or really big boulders or rock faces or water features or all these different things just, it's so much easier for a reversible golf course to work on a relatively boring piece of land than it would be some like crazy dramatic piece of land. So I thought that was really interesting. Which I thought the land was more lively than I thought totally. it was going to be. That was my big takeaway. One yeah. of my big takeaways was I was expecting a true like St. Andrews yeah. flat piece yeah. of land, kind of nondescript. And no, like there was a lot more, a lot more elevation and, and, you know, relief there than I even like, it just, didn't pick that up at all on any of the pictures or the videos right. that I'd seen. The other thing that was really interesting, I kind of mentioned it, but making sure that your 18 greens feel like 36 different greens, you have to really, he had to think a ton about changing the angles by which you're approaching these greens the second time around. And, you know, meaning that a, a golf hole, you know, if you're looking at the green, I'm trying to think of a specific example, but let's just say you're looking at a green that looks really uh, narrow and long you know, to your first time around, making sure that that thing looks really wide and shallow your second time around. And he does a good job of, of moving that around and kind of uh, making all those shots feel really different. It doesn't really feel like you're, it doesn't really feel like you just hit rewind, right? And and play the same holes uh, twice. It, it really feels like you are, at least to me, it felt like you're playing 36 different holes. And I thought that was really, really cool. Who's next? I can go next. I am thrilled that this concept exists. I think it's awesome. I think it's really good for a resort like Forest Dunes to, you know, maximize the the value of one piece of land. I think the turf was great. I love playing on the fescue. Solly was raving about the sound that ball makes coming off of it. It's, you know, putting on fescue greens is always difficult. I think it's like POA. It's an attitude grass on the greens. Like, they, I, I had a tough time uh, reading putts and just a lot, lot going on. And I would like to see this concept done again elsewhere like i think you know it's it's really it's really cool it's really um invigorating it sparked a lot of discussion with us i do think that 
the two courses take away from each course itself. Like I felt like the black course would have been better without the red course and, and vice versa. I felt like it was interesting to hear that maybe the red course is the primary routing because I felt much more like the black course were, were the more natural approach shots. I felt like on the red side, a lot of blind shots, well, not blind, but like not a good view of what's going on on a green where there's a ton going on. So that to me, especially down the stretch. Yeah, I felt. Like, I don't want to say unfair, maybe unfair. Again, it has to do with where the pins were, but just like, man, what am, what, what's the point? You know, a little bit of just frustration. In, and and one thing we talked about is, one thing I loved about Diamond Springs is that there's one or two big features that are that you're navigating that can either help you or repel you. I felt like there were thousands and thousands of little <laughs> mo- little landmines, little mounds, little humps that. It was just a game of chance in a lot of places. And that to me gets a little old over time when it's every single hole where it's like, yeah, sure, I can try from 150 yards out to hit that one hump. But if I miss that hump, I'm going to hit these three over here or these four over here. And God knows where the ball is going to go. And that that gets a little frustrating on repeat. So I know TC felt like it might have been overshaped. I found myself agreeing with that. I didn't feel like I was trying to play the strategic shot. I was trying to hit the middle of the green a lot. And I felt like it was still like, yo, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't have that shot. I think what's interesting is, and I know a lot of this probably comes from hearing Tom's actual explanation of it, but, and and I'm probably going to wade into some fairly eye rolly pretentious territory here. Can 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 I get get one thing in before you do this? I I don't think we've emphasized enough how firm this place was in in terms of like a shout out to the conditioning and capturing the essence of, I know it's not technically Lynx golf, but like hundred million percent, they got it, which is a contributing factor to a lot of the discussion points, right? We're talking about the firmness of these greens, the firmness of these fairways and the humps and bumps and mounds that come with it. Like it, it, it was as fast and firm as I have uh, have played in the United States. Yeah, Rob does a great job with a pretty skeleton crew, I think, too. I think there's certain stuff that he'd like to do more of, like cutting down some of the native in certain spots, you know, especially on 18 for the red course. Right. Right, like along down the right there. But going back to your point about the greens, you know, I think they're actually bent. It's like a bent okay. fescue mix, but the bent kind of takes over. And that's the other thing I think they struggle with agronomically is the bent gets attracted to all of the spots where the, that are that are Around irrigated greens, yeah. and so there's a little <clears throat> ring of bent that kind of slows things down into the greens into yeah. the greens what i was going to say there was it, it feels like i'm probably going to wade into some pretentious territory here but the I, I felt like it was a true work of art and like a, a controversial work of art in that like i don't think i think a lot of the complaints are are totally justified and valid in that like this ball didn't do what I thought it was going to be, or this shot was way too turned up for a 15 handicap or whatever. But I just don't think that Doak either cares about that or is trying to do that. I didn't get the sense at all that he's trying to mimic like, okay, this game of golf that you're playing in Grand Rapids at Pilgrim's Run should translate to this golf course. I think what he's legitimately trying to say is like, no, I'm asking you to play like a different thing. And for you and your skill level, this might be a par 83 straight up. And like, if you can't hit that shot, then yeah, maybe you're not good enough to try to hit that shot. Maybe what you should be doing is playing short of this green and, and bumping it up. And for some people, I think that's totally not fair. And and like, that's not what they are interested in. But if I was going out there and playing a match against somebody and, and just trying to beat them, I think it's really an interesting way to think about it. And the way that he said it, I, I basically asked him, I'm like, well, what do you think? Like, 
what do you think about people who say it's too hard or, or say that it's it's unfair? And he was I, I basically said, like, do you think people need to change the way that they play golf to play your courses? He said, no, I think they need to change the way that they think about playing golf to to play these courses. And he's like, everybody who steps on that course has the ability to get the ball in the hole. It just might not be like the traditional route that they're thinking. It might take you three shots to hit the green. It might take you four shots to hit the green. But like that's but that's the that's challenge. That's where I push back on that because I, I truly was emphasizing like I am playing – safe here i'm playing the smart shot i'm trying to play on the ground i'm trying to play away from this i'm trying to play your game i'm trying tom. to play yeah. your game tom and i'm trying i'm cool with bogey here and i'm still making double and i'm cool with you making me think and i'm cool with landing it not near the pin and i'm cool with finding a route and considering all of the risks and all i that is my favorite part of golf is like trying to unpack my route to a hole or you know yes. how to like yeah. strat from the tee all the way back to the tee like all right well i got to play up the left because i can't come in from the right because this is going to run away from me and this this overall theme of this green is going to make the ball do this and the it just didn't seem like you know it felt like taking an exam we had a lot of exam analogies i felt like taking an exam and then you walk out of the exam and like you're kind of like well that, not only was none of that in the study guide, like I couldn't even like have properly, I couldn't have prepared myself for it. Like but, I, that wasn't the class I attended all year. It's <laughs> also a fucking resort. No, the the the. It's not like a private club that people cool, are playing. But it's a resort that's times a packed. No, with I play to the safe it. side of the green. I, I do everything like yeah, man. I'm playing so sensible, and then because of how mounded some of these greens are, it's like I, I I'm three putt. I'm chipping. It's like the it was almost like the closer I got to the hole, the harder it got. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting physically angry right now. Like this, this I, is so good. <laughs> I love hearing you guys bitch. I, and I and that's what it. I. The can only I thing I'm, no, I'm not oh. bitching about the challenge. I'm bitching about trying <laughs> yes, to are. do. I'm trying yes, to no, are. no. I'm trying to explain that I went in doing exactly what it sounds like Doke said I should be doing, and still being like, well, just maybe you didn't do the right job of it. DJ, go uh, finish your. Finish your thought, and then I'm going to fucking go off. Oh, please. I, uh, well, before you do, I just would like to point out that on this exam, one team shot a best ball 63 gross. That's fine. Yeah. They're also like the the head golf coach at For sure. State or Northwestern. Or That's whatever. what I'm saying. Like I think plus it, five. Yeah. I think it was a true like par 83 the day that we played it. And it's not, I don't mind like shooting a big number or like, yes, you do. I you really totally don't. Do. I really do. don't. <laughs> no, I, I, I am fine with like a golf course, like kicking my ass. If like, if it was, you know, all right, you know what? I just didn't execute on this day and this exacerbated this. And but when you walk off and you're kind of like, dude, honestly, I could hit that same shot again. And I don't know what I would do. I, I that's that it was a little that Randy, I'm with Solly on this one. I'm, I'm it's a little bit of chaos. Throw my hands up of like, there's no, no strategy to it. That's that's what DJ I'm getting just at. Said, DJ just said that's Tom's thing. Is like you're thinking of like the same shots you've hit elsewhere. And no, you think differently out there. No, I changed my ball flight for this day, and I love that. If right? You want to go with artwork? This is like hanging a freaking abstract Jackson Pollock on my wall. It's like, yo, I don't really need the paint splatter. And that's what I'm saying. It's like that's fine. Maybe it wasn't designed for totally. you to love it. But no. what I'm to Randy's point or something we discussed is like. Dude, it's fucking jammed with people who absolutely love Listen, getting their it's key, a great, teeth kicked in it's by It's a great it. concept, I, I think. All right, so first and foremost. Final thing, okay. just setting up. The morning we played, the first morning we played, we played the red, correct? Yes. yes. And it was as spicy and dialed up as it possibly could be. The greens were slick as glass. It rained in between 18s. Yeah. And 
the golf course, not only did we all enjoy the black more, I think it, and we'll get to probably why that is. If the course felt way more playable and the mounds felt more appropriate after a, just a slightest amount of rain. Yeah. Would you guys agree with that? And, like, and yeah. a little bit of light. Too. A little bit of we light. Better light so you could see some of the features in the a little bit more. First impression we got was something so turned up, like yeah, just total rejection that. That was everywhere. I said you earlier, go. like, hey, like, you know, it's important to keep yeah. in mind. And so I think this is a course kind of like Cabot, Cabot Links, where like you got to play it 10 times to really formulate. But there's certain themes that carried through for me that I just didn't, I didn't care for. Right. I thought I went in thinking that, you know, and again, this is a me problem, but. You know, and, and we're in Doke and I are just on different pages here. But like, I went in thinking from an old course perspective, there's a couple, maybe, you know, two, three features on each hole that are going to dictate the strategy for the entire hole a bunker here or a big turned up mound here or whatever. I felt like he was throwing 35, 40 things at me every time. I felt like the challenge was, you know, it's like making a bet. Like, I felt like I was having to pull off an 18 parlay. On every approach. GC, <laughs> I'm with you on that. You know, and then also like in, to where you're definitely flying blind on this course. I get why they're, you know, it's a tough place to staff for caddies. Roscommon, Michigan is, is very remote. So you got to have a better yardage book. I think there's so much going on. Uh, if Doak wants to ask all of these questions and, and, you know, present all these unique specific challenges on every hole, you got to tell us what the challenges are, especially on some of the holes down the stretch on the red course where it's a green that's running away from you that's pushed up and you can't see anything that's going on up on. And I thought the flat spots on some of the greens were just way too small, you know, to where like, Hey, like I know what I'm supposed to do here. I know what he's asking me to do. And like, I legitimately just can't do it. Yeah. Right. I think the, I thought it was overshaped. I thought it was drastically, drastically overshaped. No, uh, the part I don't hold like on, with hold your on, analogy. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Randy's laughing. I want to, I want to push back on. on the art stuff. I thought I, I felt like I played, 70 or 80% of the greens out there are pushed up to the point where like I felt all day like I was hitting the same shot over and over again. I was chipping, I was chipping uphill to a tiny little plateau. I just felt that like that was the test, right? Can you chip uphill? Can you or or putt it for that matter? There were certain greens that I didn't like on either direction. There were certain greens that I thought were were great both directions. I I did appreciate how he mixed up the angles that you're coming in. Um, I thought a great example of that was like the fourth, the fourth hole on yeah. black. That's an awesome green. Some of the par threes were super interesting. I'll say a comment to, to your point, a theme tying this all together, the firmness and the slickness of the golf course contributes to this, where a slope might be eight feet tall in certain cases. And if it would have been 18 inches, it would play the same. It's going to have the same it's, effect. It, it's going to reject it- balls, but it's so dramatic that you are paying like the next shot is that much like, you, I don't know what the analogy is there, but it's like, all right, I can't high jump eight feet, and I also can't high jump twelve feet. So the different, like, make it eight feet yeah, it and a little, right. little overdone. And all right, I want to go back to the art thing for a second, or or dokes. Well, you should think about it differently. I take exception with the vibe of that. To me, is well, you just don't get it, man. It just feels so fucking Wait, arrogant. No, no, you don't. You, well, you just don't get it. You just you're, you're just never gonna understand. I am a fucking golf junkie. I'm here trying to understand. <laughs> Help me understand. I want to appreciate your work. And it's like, based on what you're telling me, he doesn't give a fuck if I appreciate it or not. No, I think he'd be very open to talking you through any shot on the golf course. Okay, well, I would love, I'd love to talk through it with I him. Think also, I enjoyed the experience, but I had would some... I like to speak to the manager. I know, I thought it was a little... I just, I'm with TC in that I thought it was... 
just a little over the top in, in several places. And so, I just need more information on how like how to do some of this stuff or like on the, the that closing stretch on red where it's like, you know, those those four or five greens are like running directly away from me or even on black. What, what was that? Uh, 16 or 17. At green, I was like, oh, the like, beer, it's, like what yeah. are we supposed to do here? Like this is, and then, you know, like to me, it just felt like all the pushed up, I felt like I was hitting the same shot into a bunch of pushed up greens the whole day. And like that to me, it, it takes me back to a lot of my other Doke experiences at Barnboogle or Pacific Dunes or not as much at Ballyneal, but like it just feels fucking mean spirited. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I I totally agree. That, see, this is where I'm. It's gonna seem like I'm talking on both sides. You're of my on mouth. the fence, Pie Man. No, I'm totally on the fence. I, I I that's why I prefaced it with like, yo, I got my fucking ass kicked. Do you think I had a good time with that? No, it was horrible. Like, I guess I, that's the thing. I, I was like, I walked off. I the was course miserable after the shooting morning, 95, and like legitimately didn't want to go back out in the afternoon. Like I had that little fun, and, and that's what I'm trying to say is like, okay, if I'm going to Bandon and I have to play, you know, would I rather play 10 rounds at Sheep Ranch or would I rather play 10 rounds at Pacific Dunes? I would pick Sheep Ranch a million times out of a million because I don't, I'm not good. Like I don't like grinding and trying to hit tiny little shelves and trying to do all these different things. What I'm saying and what I have the utmost respect for when it comes to dope stuff is like, at least he's trying to do something different. He's not trying to do a carbon copy of totally. other things. He's trying to put his own stamp on stuff. And I think that's fucking awesome, and it's probably really hard to do. But to this, and this is where which I know Randy give won't him credit for. Yeah, which I know Randy's going to disagree with are, this part. Are you though? Yes, I think I'm thrilled. I is a very unique experience, <laughs> and I like the concept. I just think it's overdone. Well, he to that point, my stake. Yeah, it. This would this would have been a great. I cannot think of a better opportunity to flex the subtlety muscle than a reversible course. Like the subtle subtle features that you design around could have been the defining... And that's, again, what I was expecting, and that is a total hand up, Randy. That is, maybe that's my own fault. Yeah, that's, reality, that's, yeah, that's, you know, whatever. But like when I'm thinking about the old course and the reversible nature of that, like it's just a couple mounds, a couple bunkers uh, that really would have tr like structured the way you would play that. And I, I was looking forward to that part of the challenge. And I... There are elements of that, but I think I honestly think it's probably like six greens that are just like yeah. it, it, there's not. It's not a coincidence that the holes I liked going one way on red, I also liked going on black, and the ones I yeah. didn't like on red, I didn't really like on black. It's just a few greens that are just like, man, I I've never really been like Doke does too much crazy green stuff until this golf. Seventeen's course. a perfect example. Seventeen on red. It's this hundred and eighty-five yard par three and there's this ramp up in front of it that's like eight feet tall and you're supposed to land it short and run it up this ramp but like the all right what happens if you don't run it up the ramp or it's impossible you can't hit it into the ramp because it's going to kill it so you have to hit hit this five foot square foot area that you know and then bounce it up and dribble it up there where like i like you're, you're talking to someone who i love getting in a yardage book and plotting my way around a golf course and getting technical as fuck out there. Like I, I just didn't feel like I could even do that here. I felt like he was just throwing so much at me that the test got so randomized and watered down to where it's like, I just threw my hands up and I'm like, well shit, man. Like what, you know, what am I supposed to do? Or 
Or you're just not good enough, which is back <laughs> to DJ's point. And that's not a shot on you, Tron. I'm not good enough. I, But there are people that are. Like, that's I, – I think that's what I – like, I don't – I'm not trying to convince you guys to like the course, but it, it's not bad because it was hard for you guys. I understand, but and I, I think – I guess it, is what you know, I'm saying. It's some, no, and, like, I don't even mind that it's hard. It's just I don't – I don't like when it's hard and it's doing and not possible in some doing, spots. Yeah, it's doing like there, I can't bail out somewhere. I'm gonna be hitting that same that same shot regardless of whether I you know hit a good shot or a pretty mediocre shot. They're both gonna end up in the same spot. I'm gonna have to hit a great shot, and I get what he's trying to do there. It just it just felt like going back to like the overshaped thing. It was like it took away from a lot of the brilliance for me of like I think he could have asked the exact same questions and and even turned up the the strategy and having to tack your way around the golf course even more if you knew exactly, you know, just just not simplify it, but just kind of codify it a little bit more. And it's, it's probably, again, not a coincidence that some of my favorite greens had some kicker of some kind that could be used in either direction, right? The, um, shoot, what is the, um, the, the there's a, a long par three on the red, I think it's number 11, which would make the yeah. par four, short par four, number seven on black. Where you had a kicker along the yeah, left side. Number 12. Number, okay. Yeah. You could hit a big kicker along the left side that was going to feed your ball to the back right spot where the pin was. Uh, the fourth hole on black uh, and the 14th hole on red. 14 is a par three on red. Four holes, fourth hole is a short par four. Had like a half pipe that you could run, like you wanted to play up the left and like hit a shot through the half pipe. And they're like, that was awesome. Like that kind of stuff. Would is is for me again? This is a personal thing, and I think you're along the same lines, TC. That is more fun. Maybe it's easier, and that's what makes it more fun. Other than watching balls get rejected, like legitimately, fifteen of the eighteen greens. That's just that's just a lot, you well, know. And, and when they're all pushed up, it's like there's no there's nowhere to play it off of, right? right? You're you're just all right. There's this shelf here, and then there's this little knob here, and there's and there's this other you know shelf here and all that, but like. There's no runaway truck ramp or anything like that. And I, I get that. And you got to land it short and bounce it on and all that. But like, listen, like I, I'm, I'm a three or four handicap and I'm like, if I'm not having fun out there, then like, and maybe it's like my expectations are out of whack, but like, I don't mind going out and shooting 85 on a golf course. Like that's, that's totally fine. But like, did I have fun shooting the 85 or was it a, did I feel like I was, I had a variety of different challenges. And I guess that's what I'm saying here is like, I didn't feel like I had a variety of different challenges. I felt like I was hitting the same fucking shot around that, the green. That's the exactly, day. that's my pushback to Randy's point. Hard, it's like the same hard on repeat of like, yeah. oh, can you hit this touchy chip? Uh, and if you're on the right side of the hole, you got to go over 15 mounds in the green. If you're on the short side, it's like, I'm, you know. Yeah, definitely boned. It's but I'm boned on both sides. It's the same concept of like having to having <laughs> oh, to. I'm sorry, Neil. Pitch no, on, but on repeat, like, am I allowed? Why am I not allowed to say that that's not very fun? You're yeah, totally allowed. That, that I didn't yeah. didn't enjoy I'm, it. I'm not saying that. I thought that like it's akin to with the U.S. Open, like pitching out sideways from crazy ass rough all day. Like, is that? It's a technical challenge, and you got to hit the fairway. But like, you know, at some point, let's introduce some other variables or challenges here. I thought in certain areas there was there was too much heather close to like a corner or just weird heather cut more for like too. and that's more just for your resort retail guest. And like, you know what? Like maybe I'm turning into like Matt Janella where like he bitched to, at Doak, you know, for the last decade about his greens are too turned up and too severe. And I haven't felt like that at certain places. Like Pacific Dunes, like I, I like Pacific Dunes or I like there's certain courses where like I, you know, Bally Neal, for instance, like I love Bally Neal, common ground. Like there, I like, 
some of Doak's stuff. There's just certain instances. And this was one where like I thought the conditioning almost matched up too well with the style yeah. of play where like like I bitched about it at Barnboogle where you couldn't use some of the slopes and you because it was just a little bit hairy around there. Whereas I think on the flip side here, it was like you almost couldn't use some of the slopes because it was gonna funnel off way too far or I don't know, all that. I just it like it it gets me. I haven't felt like that walking off a golf course, and maybe this is his intent, but like I haven't felt like that walking off a golf course. We're like, yo, like I, I don't even really want to play this afternoon. I'd love to go back and play, you know, red. Like I would, I would love to go back for like a four day trip and play red four times and black four times and really dig in and understand the intricacies and play from different tees and play to, you know, different pins and everything like that. And the people of Michigan are lucky that they can go do that. But for you know, for playing each course one or two times during a trip, like I'm, you know, I'm not able to get that deep. I, I 100% believe it would, it would grow, it would grow. Like if I, if we went back and didn't play it in the duel, I think our reactions would be different. And just knowing, even and I've heard other people say this too, like your sec, whatever course you play second, you're more likely to enjoy more, just because you know what the green does. Like you have an, oh, I remember when we came in from this one. All right, now I know there's this slope here. I need to worry about this bunker. Blah blah blah. That helped so much the second yeah. time around so well, all, much. Can, all we can do is share my experience experience yeah and i think i agree i think i would end up liking it more and more i liked it better the second time around a good example of a, the one of my favorite holes out there that i thought was one of the most subtle was 18 on black it was a short so par good. four yeah i hit a, what i thought was a great drive up the left side plenty of room and there was one bunker and the pin was on the back left shelf and i had to hit a 50 yard 60 degree wedge to a 40-foot putt, and I was thrilled about it. That, and it was yeah. all of that grass up to the green before it elevated on the green was flat. Which to me... And it was like, yo, I still I was thrilled to make par there. That and, shows you that, like, that shows me that you get the concept. You're yeah. not like, it's not like we're, we're asking for a trophy when we didn't accomplish no. anything. Right? It's not, it doesn't have to be easy. Like that, yeah. that just very much was like, oh, yeah, it's I like should have known me, that bunker man. was like, going to get me. And I should have known like, yeah, it looks like this left side is safe but if i challenged the heather on the right yes i would have been able to get close to the pin and that's interesting to me what's not is on every other hole it felt like there were 15 like pimples yeah you know like almost like freaking guard towers on a castle wall like oh sorry bud all around the green randy will give you the last word well we talk a lot about slopes on greens and i just i'm not a fan of random humps and bumps and that's what i felt like was on repeat on this golf course i love broad gradual slopes i love funnel pins because those putts are not easy i don't love when it just feels and again the, the pins are really diabolical spots for this event specifically which compared to pacific dunes i feel like at pacific dunes it's it's, big, it's long broad slopes it's big one or two like blowout bunkers big features very difficult but like i don't know just a little bit more and it's not minimalist right like that's no. the thing. It's like you can tell all this shit was shaped and all this stuff. Like it's, it's kind of like with Hans's black course at Stream Song, where you've got the punch bowl. Well, and it's like it's not a punch bowl. It's like a it's like a fucking dumpster, right? And there's all these little ridges all over it, and there's there's no discernible strategy to it. It's like, hey, just throw it in the dumpster and see where it see where it ends up, right? <laughs> you know, I do want to give a shout out like Tyler and Don, who run the duel it was one of the most well-run oh it's great i think i've ever been to i loved um, it you know talking to uh superintendent uh rob talking just like you can tell there's a certain element of pride there and everything and, and and i really like 
I'm excited to go back and play it because I want to like I want to dig deeper. I want to go see it. It's just this is just my stuff. That's I'm trying to take it. I'm trying to take all my reflections with a grain of salt, but I can't get away from like feeling like it was overshaped and there were too many push-up and, and on on top of what it felt like was 20 minutes of us bemoaning the place. I highly recommend people go yeah. and play it. I'd be curious to hear other so, people's feedback. Yeah, I think it's good. It's a really awesome. It's uh, it's a lightning rod a little bit, and I think that's totally. awesome. And that's it, that's I'm what glad I'm, it, I'm glad it exists, which is what I started with. I'm <laughs> thrilled it exists. That's, that's it, man. Like God, like this is more passion than we get walking off of 99% of places that we ever play. And I think that is like dope. Fly the banner. Mission accomplished. <laughs> but I feel uh, like it's the kind that, of passion that like social media gives our society of like, it's getting me yeah. all amped up in the wrong way. Which in, I think a lot of that's like, I wanted to walk off and like punch him in it's, the fucking face. Yeah. It's like enraging. It's like, wait, wait, is that because good? That's though? all he did to like, me. All day. Until, which, you, I, until you do play it 10 times, like, it, that's that's your that's your feeling now. And sure, I think you have to realize that's after playing each routing one time True. and under mega tricked up dual conditions. You, you've like, been there multiple I, times. What what was your takeaway this time? Yeah. <laughs> I played it three years ago in the duel, and it was not nearly as tricked up. And I I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, even this year, I'm a ten handicap. I didn't come close to losing a ball. I played thirty six holes with one ball. Like, there's a lot of things that. It's, I, I I could complete the course, and it's it, for me. It's a bogey golf course. Like I should be very happy playing bogey golf there. And if I play better, then that's awesome. And if I play worse, then you know I I wasn't playing as well. I just I I I'm not telling you any of your thoughts or or experiences are wrong, but I, I just from like a bigger picture, I, I I hope it doesn't come off as like it's not a good golf course or it's not an interesting concept or somehow it's like a flawed place because I think it's doing exactly what Doke wants it to do. And I think it's a fabulous golf course. I think you have to be extremely explicit. And this was a big lesson I learned because I think I've for sure fallen into this trap, but there's a massive difference between like saying, quote, I didn't like that and quote, that is bad. Right, like that. Those are two very different things, and, and I, I felt I, both. <laughs> that's no, fine, like, and, and and but I, in certain elements, there's disagree. some stuff that's like a I, me problem, yeah. And there's some stuff that, like, yo, man, like you purport to be a minimalist golf course architect and and strategic, and this and like it felt like the worst elements of penal golf to me in certain spots. I would echo Randy's sentiment about not losing a ball. Love that about the place. I guess where I I net out is. It was, I see places where I guess I think it could be better, which all, you know, like, well, nobody better cares. towards what you like and better towards no, like but other better, courses. Better towards like. what Tron's saying in the strategic elements of the golf course. I feel like there's uh, spots where it could be more subtle to be more strategic. And that seems that, to be what Doke is all about. That's like going up to a, a piece of art in a gallery and saying, well, I could make this better for everybody. It's like, no, dude, like, no, you, no, no, it's your not, personal preferences. I, it's, it's based on my experience listening to Doke on podcasts, listening to talk about his, his, how he thinks about golf and playing his other golf courses. That's where I'm getting that from. It's not me saying I could make it more strategic. It's me saying a little bit more restraint in certain areas, like number 18 being the example of him doing less and making the course better. And I will say that that's where the art analogy ends for me because you don't like look at it. You don't look at a golf course. You go and experience it and a bunch of people experience it in very different ways. Right. And 
it's it's one thing to just that it's a much more immersive experience than just like looking at a at a painting of some kind, right? Yeah. And, I, and I'll push. Back. I think our art friends would push back on you know not experiencing art. So just to put to fight you on a little bit of something else, Randy. Like my scores were fine. I think I shot 73, 74 on the two days. I I I'm not res- like. I don't need my score to be low to enjoy it. It's the actual enjoyment of the shots, right? And the enjoyment of the challenge. And I've had much better times shooting 82 than I did, you know, getting to 73, 74, whatever on those courses. I would argue it's probably a better match play course than it is stroke play, which is totally, I love match play golf courses, right? You throw the, throw the strokes out the window. I just thought like at some point, like it's like, you know, the prevailing wind is coming from the West or Southwest and, and like, you know, the, the last three or four holes on the red are like the green feeds away from you. It's pushed up. You can't see anything that's going on and they're downwind. Like what the fuck am I supposed to do, Tom? Figure it out, man. I think that's his whole point. I I guess that's why I come back to like, people do figure it out. You know, I TC, you'll never understand it. It just, it, it reeks a lot to me of just like, I would just, if Radiohead just like had more hooks, it would be easier to oh, listen to. No, it would be more that's fun. That's such an arrogant. That's what it, that's that's what it such plays like. Arrogant, that, no, that would be listening. fair if I didn't listen to every single Radiohead album and like a lot of them. Like, I just, I guess. But that's I the think, whole thing is they're trying to probably do something different with each album. Maybe he's trying to do something different here. I know he's trying to do something different. And that's great. And, and, and I like so, the concept. for it, me, not all of it landed. And that's yeah, fine. Totally. All right. I think that's it. That's it. Like, it's it's so personal. I enjoyed that thoroughly. That was it was cathartic. It was cathartic for sure. I've been holding that in for for like a week and a half. I think we could um, tell by the volume of the f bombs. All right, let's move on to Kingsley. I think this one's gonna be a little less oh polarizing. My God, getting me back to get me back to Mike. The Secret Garden. TC, um, tell us about Kingsley. Gosh, Kingsley, what a just happy place. What a comfortable. Not easy. I mean, definitely, there's a lot going on. There's it's. But to me, we, we played... Um, what, tell us about the course. What, who, who developed it? What Mike kind DeVries, of- developed by two, two buddies slash business partners, late night. It was basically DeVries's first solo design. I think first kind of the, the solo Mike DeVries course. It's 2001. In, it's, in, um, it's in Kingsley, Michigan, which is about 25 minutes south of Traverse City. Pretty extreme farmland uh, slash timber They had taken some of the trees out for timber. There's some exposed rock out there. But to me, it felt a lot like we played the mines, Pilgrim's Run, Diamond Springs, University of Michigan. You can certainly see DeVries' inspiration from that course as well as Crystal Downs. And then we played Gray Walls as well. So there's a current of Mike DeVries running through this season. But to me, Sally, like to your point, like the – the, and I, I've never been a place before we get to the golf course. I've never been a place where they've got a big national membership and the clubhouse, which is essentially like a trailer and the cabins and everything fits. So fits the aesthetic and the attitude of the place. So perfectly. Um, what a first impression to that place, the, the drive you make in and like the views you get of the golf course just to start is just like, Whoa, Holy incredible. Shit. Yeah. Top, just, top one or two first impression. In, in the history of NLU for me. <laughs> what a thrilling tee shot. Well, no, no. Even just driving up to oh, the clubhouse the, the whole, like, yeah, yeah, on the putting green. No, totally. You're like, whoa, You're what is that? These yeah. dry stacked rock, you know, stone walls that remind you of New England. You're 
uh, and it's pretty big land. I mean, there's some extreme stuff, but at no point do you ever feel like you're, you're being asked to do anything. You know, it, it, it plays really well on the land. And then, yeah, yeah. And I, so that's kind of, you know, great cabins, just really, really generous, cool national membership and, and local members for that matter. Kevin Frisch, who helped us put together a lot of the trip, uh, was able to come over and play with us over there. Um, just fantastic asset for us on, on the entire and guide kind of to Michigan and guide for Kingsley specifically as well. But as far as the course is concerned, you know, it's still, I think Mike grew in the course with superintendent that's still there he was fantastic to talk to great he gave that guy a great title he said the best guy i've ever seen grow grass grass. in my life which again this is kind of a repeat theme on this podcast but the conditioning was just 10 out of 10 i mean the greens were perfect the slopes played like they should it was firm turf all over again Uh, not quite as firm as the loop but gosh it was just it was everything i want golf to be and 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 i think you know just starting like number one it kind of gives you like, like we talked about with the other DeVries courses, it gives you a sense of, hey, let, you know, here's, here's, what, you're in for. here's what the course is about today, right? And, and it's, and I th- you know, I think there's a there's a certain sense with, with a lot of these courses where it's, it's if you survive the first three or four holes, you're going to have a good day. If you struggle on those, you're probably going to struggle today. Which I think we should have mentioned this during the loop conversation, but I think that was a big part of it mentally for me was showing up at the loop and getting punched in the face on the first one, two, three holes. Playing defensive all day. All of a sudden, you have 32 more holes in front of you where you're just like, oh, my God, bad shit's going to happen. And it's really hard to hit good golf shots when that's your mentality. It's, 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 it's interesting on the loop for me. Like, I, I I actually got it off to a pretty good start. And I kind of had, you know, I, I, like, I didn't let my guard down. But I'm like, all right, like, I can I can do this, right? Yeah. And then that's where it got frustrating. Where, like, so, some of the stuff that he was clearly asking me to do, I thought I did it. And it didn't play like it. I expected it to, I guess. So, but going back, I mean, uh, you know, number one, you play up this little neck, thrilling, like McKenzie, kind of Pasa Tiempo, Crystal Downs, like these, these, this whole hillside of bunkers is laid out in front of and, you. And not only that, but just like a, what, 60 yard wide fairway, yeah. 70 yard wide fairway, where it's like you could very easily, there's almost a full size fairway on either side of those bunkers, but the, your eye <laughs> dramatically snaps to like, all right, I'm going right over the top of them. <laughs> and you can, it's uphill par five, but you can see the whole yeah. the all laid out in up front there. of you, yeah. you know, with the green up on the hill in the distance. Great then, opener. Yeah, and then, you know, you play a par three next. You have the, and then there's a really, really difficult par four. Number par, four. It, it might be a par three on the card, but as you'll know, the members will call it the shortest par five on the golf course. <laughs> Correct. It's, a very, Correct. it's a crazy difficult it's hole. A, it's a test of distance yeah. control. And then I, I thought, like, really for me, I thought the, the you know, four was crazy hard. Ben had one of the best. Like, we, we mixed up. The, there's plenty of tee boxes. Like, you can play cross-country golf here all day long, too. Like, there were a few spots where I looked over to green, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, there's the next hole. Like, there's clearly the next hole. It looks like the most handsome hole you've ever seen. It's like, oh, actually, that's not even a hole. Hmm. Really, for me, the, I, thought, I thought six was really cool. Like, that stretch of six – Neil, I know you loved seven. Love seven. Loved it. Seven's got this massive, massive hillside that cuts into the fairway. Right, really, really a couple, but this massive hillside that cuts into the fairway, both where you land your drive and then you got to play around that hillside kind of coming back in for your second shot as well. And it just tricks your eye and there's this stand of trees down the left. It, Neil, what'd you it, love about seven? It definitely had shades of number three at uh I the, loved at, what I loved about UM seven well. was and and I want to preface this by saying Mike DeVries spent the whole day with us out there, which was absolute 
treat. What a and legend. Basically, it's like, let's go back to the art analogy. The artist walking around wanting you yeah. to enjoy his work, wanting to explain to you, wanting to hear what you think of it and then explain to you what he's thinking was a great, uh, a great way to experience the golf course. Number seven specifically, I'm standing on the tee with him, and it's a par five. I'm reaching for driver. And he's like, I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot hit driver here. And that's the point. I'm taking driver out of your hands. It's a three, a true three-shot par five. You can see it all out in front of you. You're still going to reach for driver. I'm not going to tell you not to, but let's see what happens. And the way that the fairway cants away from that um, you know, hill up the right sends all drives. You can't. It's almost impossible to shoot driver through in front of those trees. But when you're down behind the trees, which is where I was, you're not dead. You, it's still three-shot par five, but now you have to hit a, a different type of golf shot. If you played it smart with three-wood or driving iron or whatever off the tee, you have a much better – You could. He's like, he said to me, he's like, you could go – it's not a long par five. You could go three-wood, three-wood here if you lay back off the tee. But you're not going to do that. That's fine. It's – you know – you're still going to have watched your videos. I know you're not going to do that. <laughs> of course. And then the green I found, you know, interesting. Get the real reason why you like this hole. What's that? You birdied it twice. No, I birdied it once. Oh, okay. I made, I made bogey the second time okay. and I played it smart the second time, but I feel like it was a Mad Max Fury Road type hole, which I always like. There's just stuff happening everywhere. But if you're just sensible, you can. And disciplined. And disciplined. There is a way to make birdie. And even when I hit the wrong club off the tee, I made birdie. You know, the hard way, basically. But you're not out of the hole, and I thought it was a very strategic, interesting, unique golf hole. I'm struggling to kind of think of a comp for Kingsley. Like that that kind of inland, but tons of land movement, yet all the subtleties you really want. For me, it reminded me a lot of Pasa Tiempo. Yeah. Where you've got some, you know, especially the back nine at Pasa Tiempo, where you've got some... You know, you're going up and down these hills, and, and uh, like it was like if Pasa Tiempo and like Crystal Downs had a but the uh, the the vibe of the place um, it reminded me of, I should preface this a private version of Sweetens Cove in the way that I, that's a place I could spend all day at play different tees play different games play cross country and not get bored that's it, the kind of it, it's unique there's not a lot of courses where it's like sign me up for two or three days right, right here. I'm not going anywhere. And it's truly about golf. Yes. As well. <laughs> I'm going to play this course five or six times and can't wait to get back out there. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought uh, it reminded me of Karn, honestly. Yeah, that's that's you know, that's I mean, where I needed to go. Yeah. But I was asking Mike about, you know, he traveled around Ireland and Scotland and, uh, you know, I was picking his brain a little bit. I was like, had you, have you been to Karn? He's like, no, I haven't. I was like, that's funny enough. Like, yeah. that's kind of the where some of these mounds and, and the dramatic landscape here, that's the place that... Uh, some of the fairway sloping. And I actually watched the Karn episode of Torosos last night getting ready for this. And it was just like, yeah, seeing some of those dips and, and you know, hollows and things like that really kind of set the scene there. But And we said it about the mines. We said it about Pilgrim's Run and Diamond Springs. I mean, Mike is truly reacting to what the land is, right? He's not trying to he's, – he's trying to make it feel like what it feels like probably the first time he walked that piece of property, right? And it's dramatically different from Pilgrim's Run. I mean, the same principles kind of carry through, but it's – truly honoring the uh, the landscape, which is pretty cool. I thought, uh, and, and it was a big relief for us, I think, after we all loved Diamond Springs and Pilgrim's Run so much, I think for for Mike to show up and be yeah. <laughs> like such a wonderful guy, um, just like totally, he kind of reminded me of like Craig T. Nelson from Coach a little bit, <laughs> like just such a... Uh, a true unit also. Yeah, just, you know, kind of a, I, I, like I hesitate to say jock, but like kind of a, you know, Kind of remind me like a hockey player, hockey guy. 
Yeah, just, just like, very, you know. The boys are coming. We got, I've got to yeah. host them. You know, it's <laughs> like there was no other option. Which, 36 holes, too. It wasn't like he went out for nine he, like, with us. Ripped, he was water skiing with his son. He just absolutely like ripped up his hamstring. He had one of the gnarliest bruises I've <laughs> ever seen on his hamstring. And uh, like I know he's fl- he, he, he flew over to London uh, yesterday when we're recording this to, he's working over there at, at the Addington. He's got Seven Mile Beach going with Clates down in. Um, and, and uh, Matt Goggin down in Tasmania. Cause like, I just straight up asked him after the morning round, I was like, Mike, like, I don't want this to come off as condescending or negative or anything like that. But like, why, like, why don't I play? Like, why haven't I played dozens of Mike DeVries golf courses, you know, around the world? Cause like, this is between, and, and this is before we even got to gray walls. Like, this, like playing your stuff is like, was the highlight of the trip for me. And, and, probably like one of the highlights of the last of no laying up just in general, like these light bulbs going off and, and just playing such thoughtful golf. And it's all like, it's, you know, he's got great relationships with the superintendents. He's got great relationships with all these courses still. Like he's like such a thoughtful, brilliant designer. And like, let's like, like, fuck, like Bandon, hire this guy, Sand Valley, hire this guy, Pinehurst, hire this guy. Like there's, there's so much more room in the sandbox for these guys to play in that's outside of which DMK is brilliant and Doke's obviously brilliant if polarizing. Corin Crenshaw are brilliant. Hans is brilliant. Like Mike DeVries is on that level. He's fucking brilliant. Yeah, and the body of work is there. It's not a, to me. It's not taking a risk. And at all right, price so, points. At, yeah. You yeah. Know. So I, that I'm I echo everything you just said, TC. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Hopefully. That starts to happen more just outside of Michigan. Like it's great that you can play it in Michigan, yeah. but this is my first time playing Mike DeVries courses. I can't wait to play more. And I think Seven Mile Beach would be a big part of that too. Yeah. I mean, if that makes as big a splash as everybody kind of thinks it will, I'm, I'm sure that'll make it a lot more of a household name. Which and is Cape yeah, Wickham. Yeah. Like we didn't get there, but you know, and, and I think you know, and like talking about Kingsley, like you know, eight was an awesome short, like shortish par four, so super good. strategic, massive centerline bunker there, and then nine was like. Nine was like the Coliseum of golf. God, that hole was awesome. <laughs> it was like this. There was this alternate. There was like three alternate tee boxes. You, 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 like you could basically play it from like two hundred and twenty different degrees, <laughs> and um, it, it, you know, it very very exacting green, but so much fun up there by the clubhouse. And then I thought the back nine was even better. I yeah. thought the back nine was hands down the better nine. There. Yeah, it just grew and appreciated and changed like landscapes and. Kind of, it's a little mixed, like we said, Carn, but kind of reminded me a little bit of Heathland Golf, like a Sunningdale. Some of those holes, the way they bended through, through the forest in the back part, drivable four, some really fun par fives, and just crazy fun shots. Like, all right, if you carry this far enough, like you're gonna get a mat, you're gonna hit a hill, and it's gonna run for like a hundred more yards. And, and idyllic, just you know, talking about golf being artwork. Just uh, Mike is really into wildflower like flowers he planted all these wildflowers out there which i noticed right off the bat and asked him about he's like oh the flowers are you know that's that's me like i love it was the best native i've seen yeah Yeah, it was just really thoughtful and then like pair that with the rock walls randy and i found a spot rock wall on 14 15 t i mean sign me up well we we wanted to throw a hammock up and just hang out there for the rest of the day and that's where i want to you know going back a little bit to some of our polarizing loop discussion like i I don't want to seem like I'm speaking on both sides of my mouth. Like, would I rather play Kingsley or would I rather play the loop? 10 times out of 10, I would rather play Kingsley. Like I I love, it's so much more fun. I love the slopes were designed to help you. It was, you know, there were a couple spots where there were some Mutombo, you know, swatting the ball away, but 
by and large, I thought it was, you know, it's designed to help you have a enjoyable round of golf. And I don't know if we had a more enjoyable one the, the whole trip. And so, challenge, it's challenging as yeah, hell. Like that. McK- and that's it's where McKenzie, it's, yeah. it's Alistair McKenzie, like it, modern Alistair McKenzie. And that's where I uh, emphasize again, I don't mind challenge. I love challenge. I play golf for the challenge. And uh, I don't think I scored as well at Kingsley as I did the loop. And yeah, I'm with you on like Kingsley is just, that's it. Like that's, that's what we're looking for. I think, you know, uh, Randy, I know you were like quite taken like I was on number 12 bunkerless hole and just so super handsome in the way the green there's, you know, mound on the, on, on, on the left up on the green. And then there's a little fall off on the right. It's a pretty long, long par four. 13 was crazy, crazy green, different teeing areas. It's a short par four, 280 yards from the tips, but it is turned up to a million. I thought, I'll just go ahead and spoil it right now. I thought 14 was, 14 was my favorite hole we played on the entire trip. It's, it's yeah, way up it's there. Up there. It, that, that's the best reveal I've, like one of the best reveals I've ever seen. Big downhill dogleg right par five but with crest, this, crest hill. this hill. And then that's where this beautiful green site with the flowers and the wall. It just looks great. It plays great. It's, it's really, fun. really one of those two that, I mean, Kingsley was what, 2000, 2001 it opened. It's one of those green sites. You're like, oh, cool. That's been there since 1875. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that, that's been there forever. I would say the one drawback of playing with Mike for Randy was he insisted on us playing certain tee boxes that were not teed for the day they were they were uh you know all oh, you guys got to play it from here randy hates hated that he you know hated that we weren't playing his gin hates it you know from the blue tees all day long randy i'm sorry you had to experience that thank you but i thought i was i, I thought i handled it pretty well though i thought i was a good sport about it <laughs> yeah you were just just passively passively upset i would uh d- there were so many fun little like nooks of the course that so when we played in the afternoon on 14, I, I swung as hard as I could on a drive and connected as good as I possibly could. It's probably the best drive I hit on the trip. And we got up there, and TC was 50 yards by me. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because he got his off the speed slot. And I, like, I was I like, what is that? I connected on that one. I mean, I couldn't have hit one better. And he got me by 50. And it was just like, oh, fuck. Like, okay, the, there's just so many different ways you could play these holes. And knowing, like, where you get the bounces, where you get the speed slots and stuff like that. And that's that's golf, well, then fi- Like, 15 is f- 450-yard par four straight up a hill to the screen that falls away and three sides on the front and then death bunker and back and like you got to hit two proper golf shots and even then you you may still not be making par which uh, which is a challenge at the loop pretty much on repeat but it's once or twice on this court and i'm like yo i'm down to, to take that on i just i don't want it to be the same thing every hole and yeah. then and then so, sorry randy and then great redan on 16 17's got one of the most severe slopes I've ever seen on a golf course. You know, you, you basically hit over this this big hill, and it's it's got to be like sixty a, feet. It's got to be like a twelve percent grade. It's I mean, it's just insane. outrageous. Yeah. And then eighteen is just like a really cool cerebral finishing hole. It's not long. It's not going to beat you up, but like it's very very, you know, it's very technical and it's very you know angle oriented. Almost like a split level fairway that you can either go up top or down to the uh, bottom. Just really cool. Yeah. That's as excited as I've been at, like sitting there at lunch, great food, but sitting there at lunch, I'm like, I cannot, I'm chomping at the bit yeah. to get back out on this yeah. golf course. And maybe we can even play another nine after we get done. <laughs> yeah. 
Kingsley just captured a lot of a lot of what I love about the game of golf. Moving on, next stop on the trip is Belvedere in Charlevoix. Am I saying that correctly? In Michigan, uh, nineteen twenty-seven William Watson Public Golf Course. Uh, Willie style fees range from forty-eight dollars to ninety-five dollars. But the word I come up with with Belvedere, it was just comfy. It was extremely, extremely comfy, especially after playing Kingsley. It just looks it looks a lot more like a traditional golf course. And that contrasting those two styles back to back was that that really was that was hitting very well for me. It struck me also on that note is sometimes you have these courses where if you just kind of got in a cart and drove around them, you might not be super wowed. Yeah. Right. But once you actually like have clubs and are going out and playing it, I think it really comes to life. And that's how Belvedere was for me. I think if I had just seen it, you know, from the drone or from, from the road or whatever, I, I probably would have just driven right past, but getting out there and playing it, you're like, holy shit, man, this is so fun. And I think let's take this opportunity where you know, I think if we, you know, I know I was hard on our friend, the Dokito, Mr. Tom Doak, I will like, Bruce Hepner and Doke have been working on this for a few years and like the stuff that they've done to bring in, you know, to bring the greens out to the edges and bring all this internal mounding in. And it was, it's a brilliant restoration. I know they're not done yet, but um, like I could play that golf course for the rest of my life. Like it's it, like DJ, you said it during the trip. It, it reminded me of County Sligo. Yeah. It yeah. Was, very just, soulful. Just elegant, soulful, throwback, vintage. Yeah. It was just that, that was. That was inland golf at its at its best there. And it captured so much of like what we love about going to Ireland and playing places like Sligo, which is like those courses just operate it, it, it they're private but they're like open to people, right? And everything about Belvedere like the sm- super small, really quaint, old school pro shop was just like this is a this is a private golf course. Yeah, this right is off not the a, state road. Yeah, you know, it's just no no frills, but still very elegant. I didn't, I didn't even go in the clubhouse actually, but just like a looked like a regal like country club this is this is a private golf course great, and it's great logo great, great yeah. flags it's yeah. but just everything was just super subtle and it just again the fact that this course is readily available to the public and at that price just kind of also just blew my mind i love seeing we had a, there was a single that just strolled up to the first tee uh before we were getting ready to go out and it just looked like somebody that was there on a family vacation sneaking in a morning round which i can't think of like a better place to do that and again, just had proper width. Like a lot of classic golf courses are just overgrown if they're not properly cared for. And this was this was freeing. It wasn't like really wide fairways, but like the corridors were very wide and it was freeing off the tee. You could kind of, there were certain holes that really dictated, hey, a draw would play really well here. But like, if you want to hit a straight shot, you can. It might not be in the best spot, but like you have that option here. It just never strangled you. Uh, there was a proper, just a very appropriate amount of quirk, like some real funky shots. There's a, a dogleg right uh, par for the sixth hole on the on the front. Is that the one, that, the crazy one that goes through the trees? Yes. Or, yes. yes. Number six. Yeah, that one was just like, hey, you got to hit it like 215 off the tee here. Like 230 might be too far, and you're blocked out by the left tree. That hole was really cool. And then getting over the back nine. Seven even, where they, you could tell they've beefed up this bunker down the right. Yeah. And, and you can bail right, but you you're going to be blind. You can have a totally blind shot, or you can have a, a clear view at it, and it's like the difference of five yards yeah. in the fairway. And then getting over to the back nine, the 15th hole is this par five that bends way to the right, has two totally different shelves. Uh, you can hit like a, a hybrid or a four iron or something to the top shelf and hit like a hybrid and another four iron into the green, or you can try to hit a crazy cut to get down to the lower tier, down to the right, but you got to wrap around some trees. It was just a a couple of holes that were just like, ah, God, I want to go back and do that one again because now I see it and now I see how I would play it. 
The 16th hole blew all of our minds. It was a shortish par four, maybe 360, something along those lines, uh, maybe a little less than that. And just this this whole, this perched up green, everything sloping left to right. And you could bail out left up top if you want. And anything less than perfect on an approach shot is getting rejected and coming back down the hill to the right. And as I'm saying this, I'm wondering why it works so well there. And I did not like a lot of the shots on the loop, but it just was it's in moderation. Yeah, it was the proper. Summer. Yeah, it was like just a super challenge. And uh, I, I'm, I, was, I was smitten by, by Belvedere. It just was very comfortable. I just felt very connected with the game of golf and I, I i don't know how to define that other than just it was striking all the right emotional yeah, chords for me very very intimate yeah kind of place very very small but very interesting and you just felt very uh like almost weirdly like at home there even though none yes. of us had ever been there except for randy i think but it, it was we'll we'll get to uh this when we get to washcomo but would have been probably the second best course on the trip to play hickories yeah it was obviously designed for that and and with that in mind it was a place you could keep the ball on the ground. It obviously wasn't playing super crazy firm, but I mean, you you could bounce it up there. I, I think I know I mentioned this eight hours ago when we started this podcast, but the fourth hole was a, a really really long. What was it playing like two twenty two two fifteen something, something like that? Yeah. Par four, but it, or uh, par three, but it almost had like a short par four type of green. Just some wild swales in there, and it just I just I was blown away, man. I I really loved it. Great little chipping. And putting green yes, there, yep, yes. great rain, like great just, scene on the first tee, looking yeah, down man. over everything. There's just, a little fruit stand off, like you cross over the road. There's a little fruit stand right there by 10, 10 T. We're we we're too early for it, but it it just encapsulated all the best of Northern Michigan which, in the summer. Which we got to mention the road, uh, the whole front nine, as Randy pointed out, the whole front nine is in the dry county, and then you cross the road into another county, which is a wet county. So if you want to get fucked up. <laughs> You got to do it on the back nine, which, Neil. Which I, we failed to mention number 10. I think the best <laughs> example I've ever seen of the Muni template, the dead straight right in front of you par five. We, we walked off there like, God, Neil is going to love, love this hole. Beautiful <laughs> golf hole, beautiful golf hole. And I, last thing I'd like to say is I, I would like to, you know, pitch the uh, the committee on renaming the superintendent a haberdasher. Uh, you know, a very elegant course. It felt like an, an old man in a very dapper three-piece suit. Sure. That's that's how I would sum up the... Uh, Greens were... Haberdashers perfect. do hats, though, don't they? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I think they do... All sorts like, of tailoring. Ta- really? Tailoring, yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought it was just hats, but I'll, I'll stand out on that. To that point on the greens, like what you're talking about with, with Hepner, I, I I didn't see the course before the greens were expanded, but what huge greens with big contours does, it, it just increases the enjoyment level in almost every way. There's a lot of holes that have some kickers to it, but like you get the par 4 13th uh, had these crazy mounds to the left. You almost didn't know until you got left of that green. You're like, oh, gosh, this was a big green, and I missed it, and I'm going to pay the price because there are some big contours to deal with. That, I don't know, you have so much more pinnable space for a course that you're going to play on repeat too, like for local people. That adds so much more enjoyment than you're playing a different course uh, every day. Mike Tarico is a member there, as well as Tom Watson spent his childhood uh, through his college years summering in northern Michigan. Belvedere became his home course in the summer, and to this day, Watson pronounces Belvedere as one of his three favorite courses in the country behind Augusta and Pebble Beach. So he still makes occasional visits to the club. Grazie. Randy, what uh, any any thoughts to add on Belvedere? No, I'm just really glad you guys enjoyed it. Honestly, it's probably like my favorite up in northern Michigan just for the playability, you know, on an everyday basis. And I wasn't sure if that would 
speculate or if what I felt there, uh, that you guys would pick up and feel the same way. And so it was, it was delighting for me that as like, Oh yeah, like this is, this isn't just like me. This is, this is what it is. I guess it was a little affirming and I'm just very glad that you guys enjoyed it. The only other thing that I'll note is they don't sell coffee in the, <laughs> the Marty, the pro was like, yeah, I haven't sold it for 90 years. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> beg them just to, to brew a pot of coffee maybe in the morning. Great merch though. Yeah, Fantastic. As, as a trade-off. Marty's running a, a proper shop in there. I, I'll say it's, it reminded me of the best elements of the British Isles. And if, you know, no offense to anyone with coins book, it would be one of the, it would be like the great American golf course yeah. for me. Everything that I would look for in a, in an American golf course. Randy, it is time for, to, to head to Boyne first starting at Bay Harbor. And then let's get to the, the Hills course that we played. Bay Harbor is part of Boyne Resorts. Uh, Boyne is a big player up in northern Michigan, specifically as you get east and north of Charlevoix, where Belvedere is. They own and operate 10 golf courses around northern Michigan. They have two at Boyne Mountain. They have four at Boyne Highlands. Uh, They have Bay Harbor. You know, you can kind of split it up into three distinct courses. They have 27 holes there. Uh, They have Crooked Stick, uh, which is kind of between Bay Harbor and Petoskey. And so, yeah, our first stop was Bay Harbor. We split up and played, uh, some of us played the Lynx 9, some of us played the Quarry 9. I think before I want to get into that, Neil, Sorry, I think just real quick, Randy, it's Crooked Tree, just so the Indiana people aren't all over mm-hmm. you. But continue, please. Mm-hmm. No offense Crooked to tree. John Daly. Yeah. yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, thank you, Solly. Before we get into that, Neil, I know you got a lot of good information on like the building and restoration of Bay Harbor. I was wondering if you could share just some of that with the folks. Yes. Uh, the information I got um, from our host, Ken, was that it was uh, the uh, most expensive golf course ever uh, designed in the United States, ever built and designed due to the reclamation. Uh, it was wasn't like, just nine of the holes the most expensive yeah. nine holes. The, okay. I believe the Quarry Nine. Quarry. I think the Lynx. Or the Lynx. The Lynx um, Nine because it, it just the amount, it was like a brown field, like, it's a super site. Yeah. It was a cement factory and mine, and they had to uh, repurpose the land, which is I think is great. The money, specifically, I mean, you can tell a lot, a lot of dirt is moved. It's a definitely a cart course. <laughs> yeah, some of the costs had to be putting in 486 miles of interstate cart path. Yeah, but <laughs> I would and say... Let me tell you, the quarry might have been even more. <laughs> Arthur Hills could build him some cart paths. Uh, the, the king of cart paths, Mr. Hills. Uh, but the... I think most of that cost was just trying to, you know, cap the uh, sure, the cap the stuff in the ground so it doesn't seep out. So, but I mean, similar to Stream Song, like I think that's a path forward for golf courses is remediated land, remediating land. Yeah. So getting into Bay Harbor, there the there are three nines. They have the Preserve Nine, which is probably the the most placid of the nine. It just meanders through the woods, very secluded, very pretty, but the one that we did not play on this trip. Uh, the Quarry Nine, I, I think, is probably the coolest. You, you just have some stunning visuals with, with some rock outcroppings, and they've built some fun holes into that nine. Tron and Neil, I want to ask, uh, ask you about some of your favorites here in just a second. And then finally, the Lynx Nine, which, you know, <laughs> it gets its name, the Lynx, I think, because it's – it's the closest you get to Lake Michigan. There's some absolutely stunning views of Little Traverse Bay, 
it doesn't really play like a Lynx course, so it's a bit misleading that way. But that's the nine that I played. So anyway, you have these three 27 holes. You can, you know, play 18 holes in, in any type of com- combination. It's a real logistical feat that they do, being able to get people around all three nines with scheduling 18-hole rounds uh, and, and just the logistics that go into, you know, well, they're starting there and have to play this nine they started on this nine and have to play that nine more broadly speaking i think bay harbor you know they want to position themselves and this is something ken told us i like as the pebble beach of the midwest and i think at first blush it's easy to kind of laugh or snicker at that but then the more i think about it the more it becomes a little bit apt in in ways that i i think are in ways that i think are are both good and and maybe not so good uh, so starting with the good, you know, it's it's really, really scenic golf. And I think for a lot of people, uh, a trip to northern Michigan and getting the chance to play Bay Harbor, some combination of, of the three nines, it, it's probably the highlight of their golfing summer. And they're going to get tons of really, really nice pictures. They're going to see some really cool things that they haven't seen on golf courses before. And I, I think in that way, you know, it's it's a little bit like Pebble Beach where, you know, we think of Pebble Beach as, God, the, 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 the views, man. It's all about the views. Um, where I think it's also a little bit like Pebble Beach and, and Tron, I know y- you sit firmly on this block, is like outside of that stretch of world-famous holes, the course can, can kind of lose a little bit, um, especially as you get a little bit inland. And I think Bay Harbor is the same way. You know, they're absolutely stunning holes. But you can tell that the the course was built first and foremost, first and foremost as a real estate play, and so you know when you get away from the lake or some of like the starting holes, you know they're they're not the greatest. But all in all, I think it's it's a tremendous experience. What I take away from Bay Harbor, I thought it was an excellent condition. I, I thought the turf was. Um, it, it wasn't as firm as what we saw in Ross Common or at Kingsley. Uh, it gets a lot more precipitation just being right by the lake, uh, but very lush and and very well maintained. I think on the Lynx Nine, uh, Saul, you you played that with me. My favorite holes three is like this downhill. It almost looks like a split fairway, but it's like one big connected fairway as it goes downhill to this green side. It it's kind of right on the lake's edge. Uh, that, that's a fun one It it, you know, you can hit any different club off the tee really from like driver to seven iron, I think if you wanted to. And then number four is just this kind of postcard par three, uh, that, that sits in the corner of the property. There's a really nice big, uh, not quite mansion, but big house that, that frames it on the back. And then just beyond you see all down the coastline, uh, you have great view of Little Traverse Bay, the area of Bay Harbor. And to me, that's the spot where it most feels like I'm not in Michigan. Uh, I, it almost could be I, not quite like Mediterranean, but you feel like you could be in a different country somewhere uh, standing on that tee on number four. So those, those are the two highlights. And then number seven is the big par five that, that hugs the cliff overlooking the lake. I think that's another one to mention from the Lynx 9. Uh, that the, those three holes are probably the standouts for me. I was on just going to make the side, quick comparison. Yeah, You're saying not being in Northern Michigan, it honestly reminded me of like a 75% version of Kari Cliffs in New Zealand. I mean, it, it, it wow. is, I mean, you are up there on those cliffs. 
Uh, the views are insane. It is extremely well maintained. I thought, I honestly thought the golf holes were like, they were much like the nine holes we played was better than I was expecting it to be. I, I'm not a I'm not a huge Arthur Hills fan, and that is some of the finest work. I, I think with the two Arthur Hills courses we played uh, on this trip are the, the the finest Arthur Hills courses I've seen. I mean, the the greens were interesting, the shots were interesting. There was plenty of width. It I was very 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 engaged, much more engaged uh, playing those nine holes than I was anticipating when we teed off. I'm totally with you there. I, I thought the golf was a little better than. You know, the the vibe, it, it's set up. You mentioned kind of some of the, the cons of the pros and cons of, quote, the American Pebble Beach. One thing, you, you, you know, I don't know if you totally mentioned. Another very uh, similar aspect is that it's exorbitantly expensive, uh, <laughs> which I think we, yeah. we we probably need to mention. I think it can push up to uh, up in the $400 range, which is, you know, again, if you're if you've got a full tee sheet, it's much like Pebble Beach, it's very hard to argue uh, with with that strategy. But it, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, man, would you rather play there once or, or go play Belvedere six times? Like, it's a pretty easy answer for me. But all that being said, like, you almost kind of expect a little bit of a watered down golf experience and and kind of something just catered totally towards the views. And I actually thought the Lynx Nine was super fun. I had a yeah. blast out there. I think it's not. I would not classify this this whole place as a place for golf enthusiasts. It's more vibe enthusiasts, right? Like yeah. it, 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 big getaway, big vacation and like a spectacular site to play golf hundred percent. But like, if you love, you know, if there's not a, there's not much overlap between Belvedere and Bay Harbor. Like as far as this day, like they were two opposite ends of the spectrum. And I think even within Boyne, you know, I, you go to other Boyne places to get your true golf fix. Sure. And I think Bay Harbor, yeah. you can view as like, yeah, Hey, let's go. Let's go enjoy the scenery. We'll have a drink on the deck, and it's almost uh, yeah. You, you just fill up the tank a little bit on views. Which there was a true moment standing off the seventh green where uh, I just was like looking around for once. I just turned back to the group on the green. I was just like, "We are so lucky." Like just like just that setting was it was hitting me, man. I mean, and that's not again. It speaks to you know, and that's what to give TC a special. Uh, even more compliments than we already have on the itinerary. It was like the variety of different things we did on this trip and the variety of different things Michigan can offer kind of blew my mind, right? I mean, like this this being this, you know, a same day's drive away as like the Belvedere experience yeah. was just insane. And uh, like, like I said, it, it's not like where we would normally gravitate to, but gosh, you can understand why people that have the money to spend on something like that would gravitate to a place like this. And Corey was, I think... You know, the first two holes are kind of, you know, they, they kind of get you out to the quarry and, and everything. But make no mistake, the quarry's right there next to the lake as well. Um, you kind of get introduced to some of what's to come on number three. It's par five. Second shot, you kind of got to make a decision. Hey, am I going over this or am I am I laying up short? And then, um, you know, there's a uh, number five. There's a pretty uh, – or like I mean, four four plays down to the lake – Five comes back. It's a it's a par five, six short par four. Uh, pretty pretty exhilarating shot downhill. Um, but like the lake is always within arm's reach of you. Um, but but you're kind of playing through the main part of the quarry as you get into like four, five, six, and then you climb this hill to seven, and then downhill par three to eight. Which and then nine's nine's a cool you know really really funky little. Uh, you know, closing hole um, right there by the clubhouse, but, you know, kind of a blind tee shot. You're hitting 
uh, kind of uphill and then downhill t- to this green that's that's uh, hard up against the lake. So, yeah, the only thing I'd add to the query is, and I don't want this to come off. Maybe I hope it doesn't sound as like a backhanded compliment, but it reminded me of like a blown up miniature golf course. Uh, <laughs> In that it was very fun, and there yeah. was some very like, like wow, I I I'm I'm wondering how much this costs to to make. I'm I, like this is crazy, you know, hitting into some of these um, queries. Uh, so it's it's fun to me. It was very fun, fun golf shots, um, which you know, I, you know, you you juxtapose that with the price. Like okay, maybe not as much fun, but uh, you know, it is it's it's good for what it is. So after playing Bay Harbor, we went uh, to Boyne Highlands, the resort, Boyne Highlands proper, which sits uh, technically just inside Harbor Springs, Michigan. And the course we played there is the Arthur Hills course, which I think if you're going up, especially as a first timer, you know, weekend trip, it's it's going to be everybody's favorite course at Boyne Highlands. Uh, and I think very deserved. I, the 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 biggest, the best views of any course at Boyne Highlands, in my opinion. So just to set the stage a little bit, uh, Boyne Highlands was developed by a guy named Everett Kirshner, who was originally from Detroit and had a dream of bringing snow skiing up to northern Michigan. And in the 1940s, he bought the land, which is now Boyne Mountain, for $1 and slowly began building this ski resort. Boyne Mountain uh, was successful. He then built a second resort about, uh, it's about 30, 35 minute drive up at Boyne Highlands, a little further north and developed another ski resort there. He was making money in the winter and then naturally it was like, okay, how can I make money in the summer? And so that's where golf comes in. And so the first course built at Boyne Highlands was and is the Heather golf course designed by Robert Trent Jones. Uh, that's the golf course near and dear to my heart. I worked in the pro shop there. Uh, and for my money, it's, it's the best everyday golf course. It's walkable. It's challenging. It's, it's just a very good, uh, tournament golf course. And that's where they do, you know, they've, they've done, um, various events, uh, we'll be at the Heather. One of the best 18th holes in the game too, right? (laughs) And the, the Heather features one of the, the best, worst, finishing holes anywhere in golf, uh, downhill par four, uh, setting up like a 200 yard shot over water to a slender green with the only bailout area being this tiny little strip of fairway that runs left of the green. That's like impossible to hit from the diagonal angle, uh, which you would have to hit it. Uh, just a, an extraordinary golf hole. Anyway, I digress. We played the Hills course, the Hills, if it was the, the only thing keeping me, I think from being my favorite golf course at Boyne Highlands, uh, aside from like the Heather having the special place, obviously is just, it's not a walkable golf course. So that's, I think that's the thing that detracts it ultimately in my book is you got to get in a cart and you got to ride. Fortunately, a lot of those drives from like green to tea are through the woods and very interesting. Um, so, so points there for at least making the, the carding, um, a a little bit fun. I think I want to, you know, it's an Arthur Hills course, obviously Arthur just likes big, broad landscapes. I, I, every Arthur Hills course I've played is just big and 
brawny uh, and open. Uh, Solly, next time you're in Columbus, you need to get out to the Virtues east of town. That's an Arthur Hills course. Uh, very, very good golf course. That used to be Longaburger? Yeah, that's okay. exactly right. Which and, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say Arthur Hills recently passed away. Um, you know, he, and he's kind of one of the quintessential Michigan golf course architects. Uh, and Randy, like back to your point about it being, you know, riding golf course. I think once a course is, is, is not walkable, it's like, what's the difference between having a steer into 15 second ride between a hole and a, and a 90 second ride between holes. Mm -hmm. If it's getting you to like better land and cool features and stuff, I I'm with you. It, it's, it's just a big, it's an American golf experience, right? I mean, part of the American golf is riding in a cart and I love finding those walkable places, but like, it does not detract from my experience to go ride in a cart on a cool piece of land like this. Well, that's what I was going to say, especially at the hills, is like some of those drives are shock, like beautiful, right? Like going through some of those, yeah. like, the, like the planted forests the, the, and the like timber areas. Yeah, it was like, it was weird. We were joking about it, but, you know, you usually get done saying, like, man, what a great walk. And that was like, man, what a cool ride that course was. <laughs> it was awesome. Nor would you want to walk some of those <laughs> right. slopes, like up to right. 13, 14, you know. Up there. The king of the carpets. Yeah, yeah the, there are a few holes that I just want to specifically call out. I, I think one through four kind of eases you into the round. They're, they're very playable opportunities to score. And then uh, from one of the aforementioned drives off four green, you, you get into uh, a planted pine area. And then all of a sudden you emerge into this fifth hole. And it, and it just is it's a gorgeous golf hole. It's, it's just carved out of this, I don't know, nursery or, or just this area of, of pine trees that I, I think is among the most scenic that we probably played all trip, uh, long dog leg left par, par four, uh, challenging golf hole, kind of some mounding, uh, off the fairway all along the, the right side to a green. That's, that's interesting. So I think that's where the Hills course really, you know, that's the first time we're like, oh, okay, like this is this is a really awesome golf hole. Um, and then from there, uh, like number ten is this amphitheater, awesome. a, a short four uh, to a pushed up kind of tabletop green. And depending on where they put the flag that day, you really have a choice off the tee, right? If the flag's in the back, I think you can hit driver and get as close to either on the green or just off the green. It's an easier chip. And where if, if that pin is front of the green, there's a huge uh, bunker protecting the front. And so I think you want to be further back. You want to hit like a five iron off the tee and have a full swing wedge into that front green. Uh, but again, it's just the mounding and, and just the setting of the hole in, in the midst of this pine tree uh, forest. It's just it, it's incredible. And then, of course, 13, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, uh, really, I think 12 is a very good awesome. golf hole. Love 12. It, it has one of the biggest blowout bunkers uh, protecting the left side, kind of forces you to play off of that on your drive. And then it's a really interesting, difficult green. It plays a lot more uphill, I think, than a lot of people realize for the second shot. So you get off that, and then all of a sudden, you it's you know it's like you're – on a roller coaster, or like on a ski lift, you, you just snake up this cart path literally through dense forest. And you're like, where am I going? What is this, you know, what is this leading to? And the reveal then on 13 T you kind of pop out of the woods and just in front of you is miles and miles of Northern Michigan Hills of Arthur's and Hills. On, 
Arthur Sills. And on a clear day, especially on a clear fall day, uh, guys, it's it's one of the most beautiful spots on a golf course that I've ever been to. Uh, and, and the hole itself is pretty cool. It's a big downhill par five. And those tee shots, man, they seem like they hang in the air forever. Those three holes in particular, I think, are my favorite. Uh, and then cl- including 12, I guess, those four holes are my favorite. But curious if you guys have any others or, or any other comments on the hills. Yeah, Randy, I'll, I'll say, like, I think five spectacular. I don't think it's probably the strategy is probably a little bit backwards on it, but in 10's legitimately great golf hole. I think from 12 onward, it's that par three after, par three after the- 14. Uh, yeah, 14 is a is a fantastic little par three. I love the finishing hole. That's what I was gonna say. Really fun, risk-reward finishing hole. Drive it as close to the water as you want and leave yourself kind of this hero second shot into the par five to finish. I, that was a blast. It's hard to place this course, right? It's very, it's very different from everything we played on the surface, it just doesn't seem like it would be a golf course that I would feel very strongly about, yet I do. I really genuinely enjoy this golf course. And we've played it on previous trips, too. Like, Randy, yeah. you've played it dozens of times. Solly and I have both played it. Neil's played it prior as well on, on previous trips up to northern Michigan. And, I like, I recall it fondly every time, and it never lets me down yeah. each, each new time I play it. Which I was nervous, like, having, having a little bit more architecture knowledge going into it. Am I going to look at this and kind of scoff? But I did not have that experience at I, all. I, something else I like about a course like this is it, it has distinct sections of the course, uh, which you could argue it, it, that can make a course feel disjointed. But Randy said like the first three, four holes is a little bit of a warm up, And then all of a sudden it's these, you know, these pine trees, just very iconic. And then it gets very hilly, you know, and then the, the 18th hole is so different from, you know, the 13th hole that we talked about, like yeah. just a straightforward par five over water. So you just get like different sections of the course keeps you interested throughout the round. All right, next up, we are going to Mackinac Island and Wawashkimo. DJ, take us there. Yeah, hard to talk about this golf course without kind of first talking about how to get to this golf course. And Mackinac Island, for those that, that don't know, is kind of the, the uh, distant, remote island between the lower peninsula and the upper peninsula of, of Michigan. And you have to get there by ferry. There are no motorized vehicles on the, gol- or on the, uh, on the island that... You know, is within Ex- reason. Except for the carts. Except the for the golf carts on the golf course, couple food delivery trucks, etc. But you, uh, you have to take a ferry over to Mackinac Island. You land. Neil said it maybe absolutely perfectly. Feels like getting off a steamship in San Francisco in like 1865, 1890, something like that, where it's just it's kind of hot. There's a lot of shit going on. There's smells. There's horses going down the road. There's uh, just horse shit and fudge in the air. Yes. Provisions everywhere. Your general stores everywhere. It's, it's Randy, you kind of warned us for this and, and we're building to something here, I promise. But, uh, that scene right off the ferry at Mackinac is, I would say mucho, not for me. Uh, it kind of feels like the worst parts of Epcot center or Disney world. Uh, just a lot of, a lot of hot, uh, just densely populated people walking down the street looking for fudge. Uh, and uh, that is just not my type of vacation. But once the island clears out, which we kind of got a good sense of in the evening, things lean out a little bit. And then all of a sudden you've got like a bunch of cool restaurants, some really awesome little hotels and, and B&Bs. And 
there's a, just a ton of people making day trips to the island, and a lot of the people who are there overnight as Sally unpacks uh, some of his remaining. I forgot fudge. I have my fudge. I'm gonna eat some. So much fudge. I, we can take that on another another uh, podcast. Which, possibly, yeah, who eats all this fudge? Possibly like know. 20 fudge shops in like the me and Randy of, are the ones that are eating it. Two blocks. Big fudge boys. It was crazy, but. The point of all of this is to say that to get to Wawashkamo Golf Course, which is a nine-hole golf course laid out in 1898 by NFL quarterback Alex Smith, uh, <laughs> it is you have to take, what is it, Randy, about two, two-and-a-half-mile uh, horse-drawn carriage ride up from kind of this main downtown Mackinac uh, area all the way straight up the hill. You've got two, they almost look like small Clydesdales, uh, kind of some very proper carriage horses taking you taking you up the hill, winding you through a much more like residential part of the island, uh, taking you out of kind of the busy hustle and bustle of downtown out into what is truly one of the most like quiet, peaceful, awesome settings for golf that I think I've ever seen. Which I will say about the horse-drawn carriage, I thought it was like, well, this will be kind of a gimmick and something you know we can do for the camera going to the course. That was the option. It was yeah. that is the only option. <laughs> like there was no like oh yeah you could do like you can't walk there like that is how you. Well, get the, the hack course. felt like the electric bike scene. A lot of electric was bikes big there. Yeah, uh, but there there was I think going into this episode it was kind of like you know I think we always try to kind of identify you know what's the question we're we're trying to answer here what's the point of this one and for me at least it was it was kind of like is Mackinac Island a, a novelty or is it something very substantive and i think the answer was uh like triumphantly both right like i think it has sections that are are kind of a total novelty and and like i said i'm not super big on kind of that downtown section but i think seeing the rest like we didn't even get to see the rest of the island but just seeing like the the bike path that goes that kind of circumnavigates the whole island seeing some of the different hotels seeing some of the summer houses some of the roads that you can, you know, you just take these long bike rides and picnics and getting out away from that and seeing what the rest of the island was, including the golf course, was like, seemed like the kind of place you'd want to spend every summer day possible. And so to get into the golf course a little bit, Alex Smith, uh, two-time U.S. Open champion, Alex Smith, we need to throw that out. Mm -hmm. Also, his brother won the U.S. Open. Very interesting stuff. Uh, but it was laid out in 1898. Like I said, it is nine holes. It uh, nine holes with 18 tees, which we'll we'll get into as well. I wouldn't say kind of the most dramatic, fascinating golf course from an architecture perspective, but I think with how firm the golf course plays, and that's not only by design but by necessity. They only irrigate. This is kind of one of the things they're famous for, but they will only irrigate the the greens and the tees. There's no irrigation of the fairways whatsoever. So they're rock, rock hard. And I think you can kind of see that to your eye. You're like, okay, that's a little, you know, it looks a little browned out in that spot or or whatever. Uh, the grass still plays, like it, it still looks a little shaggy almost. So you, you kind of don't really believe it until you see your first ball bounce in the first fairway. When you see the ball take off, like when you actually, you know, you loft one up in the air and you see the ball come down and then bounce 25 feet <laughs> up in the air, it is so fucking thrilling. It's awesome. And so one of the big things there, it's only six, about 6,000 yards. They have a hickory option. They got a bunch of hickory sets you can rent in the clubhouse. And just from seeing how the course plays that way, I I, I truly can't picture a better way to, to fill up the tank. And I, I think... We've said that a bunch whenever we've played hickories, but it's great to, you know, launch drives and to have control over your irons and to be able to actually hit 
you know, proper golf shots is obviously a really fun way to play golf, but to have hickories is, it kind of gets you out of that mode of looking at a golf hole and saying, all right, I have 160 yards. There's nothing in my way. It's a stock eight iron. And if I don't hit this shot, like all of a sudden it becomes unfun with hickories. I think it's totally the opposite. It's all upside, right? You're almost, you're almost, uh, expected to not be able to pull off the shot. So when you do, it's, it's just a complete thrill. So I, any of the other people who played hickories, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, there's, but no, well, and there's a big built-in advantage to playing hickories at Wawashmo too, and that you don't have to lug your own bag mm. across yes. the ferry. Totally. Uh, so I would say for anybody that's on the fence, it's like it'll it'll make your day on Mackinac much easier if you do commit to playing hickories at Wawashmo. A lot of half shots, just a lot of. You're not playing golf swing. You're you're playing golf shot, very imaginative golf, and then the. I know we talked about the turf, but it it was firm, but it felt like a trampoline. Yes, like the way that I just couldn't get. It, it was so weird. The how greens they, were soft underfoot, but they, but they fairways too. Yeah, well, the fairways were the closest thing I've seen to like Nairn. The year it was like burned out. I mean, just you can see the the low spots where the where any sort of moisture is collecting, and it's green down there, and then it's and and they're getting shaved in certain spots by the 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 uh, mower. It was just exactly what I love about. Scottish Lynx golf. A couple right. of balls went like 20 feet in the air on the well, first bounce. It one, was crazy. Tell us about the rumples and two, what else this land is known for. Yeah, so one big thing was it used to be all farmland, so you can see a lot of almost like rows from crops. So that makes up a lot of the fairways. You're going to get a lot of weird bounces. You're going to have a lot of weird lies. You're going to be sitting in a lot of kind of almost trough feeling things, which hard to drive a cart over. Honestly. Very hard to drive a cart. Uh, so most of us walked. Uh, but like for our, you know, camera ops, Cody and Nick and, and Ben had a bit of a tough, a tough time driving the carts over the, uh, over the plowed land, but that was really cool. And then I think what, what Wawashkama is probably best known for would be the, the third hole, uh, <laughs> third slash 12th hole, you know, as you're playing it twice. And that is of course the circus ring. Uh, we've all kind of posted some photos, uh, from Wawashkama. So if, if you haven't seen it, or you don't know what we're talking about. Essentially it's, it's a really short par four, three fifty, something like that. Less than that. It's like three thirty and three fifteen the second time through, yeah. And the the main defense of the hole is a strip of probably foot wide like high heather grass that goes all the way around. It looks like straight up out of a circus. You know, you see the 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 lion sitting up on top of the box that's engulfed in flames, right? It's it's uh the the whole trick of it or the whole intent of it back in the early 1900s, late 1800s was this idea of getting your ball airborne and getting it to stop was such a novelty that you would show up to this hole and whereas you'd be used to bouncing everything up and, and playing short of these greens and rolling it up there and and making your putts, this demanded that you have to either bounce it, time your bounce correctly, so bounce it over the heather or truly like loft the ball up in the air and get it to stop before it would run through to the other side. And I got to admit, man, I, I thought that I knew I would like it. Like I, I thought I would, I didn't know if I'd like it from like uh kitschy, you know, kind of like novelty purposes. So bad. It's good. Yeah. Like. Or if I'd like it, like it. And I fucking loved it. That's it was great. so fun. And again, like I was talking about playing the hickories, but back in the day, it, it used to go all the way around 360 degrees. Now it's like a 310 degree kind of thing. There is a little cutout in the front and I drove it wide, right 
into the heather both times and the circus ring absolutely dictated how I had to play the rest of the hole because I had to, if I was going to try to run it up, I couldn't fly there out of the lies that I had. So if I was going to try to run it up, I had to hit that little throat and it just, it was a blast to navigate that. It's a whole, I, I truly like wouldn't get sick. It sounds so stupid because it's, it's so outrageous, but I, I could play that hole all day and I would not get sick of it. And I was, I was almost kind of bummed that I didn't hit it in the, in the Heather, just cause I wanted to see what that was like as well. <laughs> the other holes I bring up from a historical standpoint that may be known for it, big battle in the war of 1812 of took place out there specifically on the sixth slash 15th hole. There's a hill next to the green. Uh, it's where the lads beat up the boys pretty good, uh, back in the day. Uh, I think that, you know, right up there with the, you know, the dual hole on it, San, take that San Francisco golf club. <laughs> this place has, a, I'd say even more history and, and more, more bloodshed going on, but, uh, they got some good, really good signage, not only on that whole circus ring, there's yeah. a lot of historical it's like, signage. It's out like there. a museum. Yeah, yeah, which I I am a big you know at viewpoints and vistas on the highway. Love to read the signage. I absolutely loved it. I was so tickled by the place. It was, uh, you know, I went there thinking it was going to be kind of a novelty, meeting Chuckles and the head pro, who's who's, you know, reminiscent of like Craig Stadler. He's just such a, just a fun you know, happy-go-lucky guy. And I loved playing the, like, it was so fun to go around it again for the second nine, but from slightly different tee boxes and play a whole new golf course all over again. I was um, amazed by that concept. Yeah. The par the par fives were so fun. The green on... Um, number five. Number five was number five and number Has to be 14. the smallest green in America. And oh, my God. It's like the smallest <laughs> green in America, and then there's, like, one of the gnarliest false fronts you've ever seen, too, on a, a third of the green. Um, you know, just a lot of variety in the par fours. Uh, 18 goes from a par five the first time around, or nine's a par five the first time around, 18's a par four. Uh, just a thrilling driving hole. Uh, I, I loved it. It was it was a tour de force. I can't wait to go back. I imagine it only works in situations where you don't have a very full tee sheet, but I'm kind of amazed that I've never seen this concept of nine greens, 18 tee boxes before. Uh, Other than the Dunes Club, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've never been there. So it's private. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it really worked. Each hole was different. There was maybe number one was the most similar, but like it... it it's hard to explain. I mean, there was a number seven and number 16. Again, same green, and it plays like a 220 par of three the first time around, and then a 284 par four the second time around. And it worked so well for both shots. And nine and 18 was like a tough little par five, and then a 370 par four. Same corridors, but like just different tees and different golf holes. I and mean, two and 11 was probably the best yeah, example yeah. for me. Was We were looking at the scorecard, and you know, we were playing a match, and so we're trying to figure out handicap holes and and what's going on and and we're looking at it and we're like well how the hell is number 2 going to be like the number 1 handicap on the back that doesn't that holds there's nothing to that hole and then we get up there and the pin is or the the tee the second time around is just jammed like 50 60 yards back jammed up against the right property line and all of a sudden you're feeling you're standing there it felt just like the the fifth tee shot at colonial it was like true i can't believe i hit this fairway yeah. type of territory and uh just a blast man it, it was this is going to sound like kind of a, an outrageous statement probably but just considering all the world-class 
golf courses that we played on this trip, but I don't think anything filled up my tank like more than Wawashkimo because I, I think some of that is we're playing like it sounds kind of dumb, but we're we're playing like pretty competitive golf, right? So you're trying to you're trying to make birdies, you're trying to play very solid, you're trying to play as good as you possibly can. So then, at least for me, I get so stuck in like okay, right elbow's doing this, left hips here, load into this, what's going on with this? And that's where I get into just like when I'm not hitting shots and I'm doing that, I just don't have a good time. And especially when you're not practicing a ton going in or you're just, when you're not, when you're trying to play at your highest level and that's the objective and you're not playing at your highest level, you don't have a good time. Well, right, Whereas but, at Wawashkamo, I had none of that. But you also had, I think it, it was the point on the trip where the, you had low expectations in a way. on the first TD. Yeah. Just, yeah, can we play? Let's play. Let's just play up. Like maybe we'll just play nine. We'll go get some like shots and talent. Like he was already he had totally. made his mind up that he didn't really want to be playing golf. And then total flip, one eighty. And by the end of the round, he's like, God, let's go again. You Which know? I don't think you can give a higher compliment to that than like this was day eleven of the trip. We're getting no sleep. We've played a million rounds of golf. All of a sudden, we're out in this place that's like what's that? You don't water the fairways? Like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to love this. And then to, to have that feeling of just like, oh my God, let's play this 30 more times. Is... <laughs> we haven't even talked about the blind part, blind Alps part oh, three that runs away from you. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking outrageous golf course. Yeah, number it's so cool. four and what? Four and 13. 14, 13, yeah. It, it, to Randy's point of like, you know, sometimes moving around tee boxes manually just feels a little disconnected, right? When you're not playing from an actual teeing ground. Something about it being like, no, this is the fourth hole and this is the 13th <laughs> right. was really, really working yeah. for me. And yeah, so you play the fourth hole as a blind par three. Almost like a Dell. Yeah. Kind of par three. like The blind, first time. Shot. But then the second time through, you're up elevated into the right with a clear look at it, right? It's like, well, you've seen it. You know, you now know it. Like, let's let's give you a view of the green the second time. We should go. We should do that at Jack's Beach for one of the NIT rounds or something like that. Like play the same nine twice and just mix it up. Yeah. Yeah, that could be interesting. You know. I thought it was just a, a total delight. It, it reminded me a lot of just courses that I played in junior tournaments growing up in a lot of ways and uh, super smooth greens. It was a total blast. I love Washkmo. It was a super cool. Uh, again, the full spectrum of golf was played on this trip. Female superintendent, too. Only one in the state of Michigan. Wow. And, and the course played exactly as it should. It was it was awesome. Randy, cool. what are we missing? Anything? Shelter huts. They have some so of cool. little... Uh, structures, I think probably five or six of them throughout the course. They almost look like mini old school, like churches. And I would encourage everybody, the golf shop, ideally you have a lot of time. You know, I could have spent the whole afternoon uh, in like the living room of the clubhouse. Great piano. Uh, just Great piano. Yeah, in there. Piano. It just is such a comfortable spot. I echo everything you guys say. Legitimately, I think Wawashko is one of my like twenty favorite courses anywhere. Mm. Love uh, that. Karen is, Odell is the uh, the uh, superintendent, only only female superintendent in the state of Michigan, which is cool. Good segue into a course that's probably the other end of the spectrum. The last course we played, which is Gray Walls. We're already on the last course <laughs> up in the Uper, the Upper Peninsula Marquette Golf Club Gray Walls um, course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so two courses at Marquette Golf Club, uh, Gray Walls, and the other one TC. Uh, it's like the it's they call it the Heritage Course. There's nine original Langford and Moreau uh, holes there. Where Craig, the superintendent there, who's wonderful, we get a chance to talk to him. Mike DeVries has, has kind of they they've been kind of trying to. It's like a passion project for Craig, kind of expanding these greens out, 
dusting this thing off a little bit and, and kind of showing people like, yo, you have like very rare architectural bones here, you know, and, and trying to get them because they're, they're kind of interspersed between the 18 holes on that heritage course. So trying to get, you know, kind of keep dusting that off and get it back to where they want it to be. And then they've got a, a completely like, you know, Mike Strance LSD style. <laughs> yeah. So great. The gray walls course, uh, First off, designed in, in 2005 at the end of it seems like the end of Mike DeVries' absolute heater in Michigan. Um, it's on extremely provocative land um, and rock outcroppings everywhere. Hence the name Gray Walls. They they show up uh, a bunch on the front nine. Uh, it's up on the south coast, just off the south coast of Lake Superior, with views of the lake. Um, we didn't have a ton of them. It was it was a little bit of an overcast day. Uh, I got some, you know, north. North of the wall, Viking vibes up there, you know, <laughs> that, that was kind of even the logo with the two flags. I was just like, you know, we got to, you know, fear the North kind of yeah. thing, keeping the wildlings out. Um, <laughs> was also blown away that Marquette, the school is not in, in Marquette. I, I kind of thought maybe. Northern uh, Michigan's there though. The Superior Dome, the world's largest uh, wooden dome. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm, can we? I'm amazed you guys thought a biggie school was in I the was, Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Not, I just not you really, guys. Don't say you guys. I, yeah, that was me. My no, brother went me. to Marquette. I, I just never okay. put the. I guess I just assumed. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's where we're going. Anyway, not doesn't matter. I would say the course was like I said, it's very unique, and I would encourage it's it's there to be experienced. I, I had some. It wasn't my favorite course that we played. It was very it's extreme. Uh, extreme yes which i think people like as a golf experience it felt like an amusement park it was laid out it was probably the longest just to kick things off the longest cart ride from the clubhouse to the first tee was i would i think it was over a mile and you go through the course and you're like you just like where is the first the first tee is almost the center of the maze yeah and then you tee off and it kind of unwraps itself and it's very confusing the routing's confusing so all of that was like, wow, this is like, why did we, you know, I have a lot of questions about why, <laughs> why it was done the way it was done. It's the eighth wonder of the um, world. Like you're almost <laughs> wondering, like, like it, at least the front nine, like, man, like I, I know that it's cool that they built a golf course here, but like, should they have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's some, I, some holes I'll never forget. Um, uh, the first one is number five. It's a short par four over a, uh, you know, blind tee shot with a lot of, a lot of blind shots out there. Uh, with a, I would say over a hundred foot um, rock, like sh sheer rock wall behind the green on a drivable par four where you can't see where you're going with this like lone massive pine tree at the top, which probably made it like 200 feet high. And I just found myself just staring at it, like truly amazed. And I, I felt that way on several of the holes. Now, part of what I loved about Diamond Springs, I almost wish there was more of that at Gray Walls, which was one or two really thoughtful features that are dictating the way the hole plays. And a lot, uh, many times during the round, I felt like there was a lot of mounding. There was a million humps and bumps in the fairways, not so much around the greens that made a lot of balls roll to the same spot, which is not my favorite thing on a golf course when, you know, everybody's drive, no matter what club you hit ends up in the same spot, kind of takes some of the strategy away from me and just, uh, just a lot going on where maybe it didn't need to be or, um, you know, a, a hole that comes to mind for that is number 11. It was a par four, uh, kind of goes way down and then up. And there was, 
I want to say four or five bunkers just kind of scattered within a hundred from 150 yards to the green, making the decision off the tee, like just, you know, just hit an iron, right? There was no, but you have a hill to climb if you're going to yeah, hit an iron. I know, it, yeah. but there was nowhere to hit. It was just like, but it was, on kinda, the tee, it was kind of randomized. It's like, right? yo, why would I, there's no reason to hit. I'll just take the blind shot from the fairway. So some of that is like, take up, maybe take a couple of, I don't know why all those bunkers were there. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. So some of that is like maybe a little too much in spots. Um, and then, you know, similar to the loop and what Tron said, the, you know, playing that course for the first time, being so remote, the yardage book wasn't, wasn't helping me out much on, on where to go. Right. And it's a course that played long. And I think I hit two or three drivers all day. So there wasn't a whole lot of reason, not, not saying I wanted to overpower the course, but sometimes I want a reason, like I, I was saying at 15 at Diamond Springs, I want a reason to hit the hero shot, to go for it, to try to hit the hard shot now instead of later. And you had to be very, very patient out there with that course. It struck me a lot as much less, especially looking at Kingsley or Pilgrims around the, you know, or even the mines, like much less uh, strategic and much more just like, yo, I bet you've never seen something like this before, yeah. which I, again, much like the loop is like, was it my favorite course that we played? Like, no, but do I respect that idea of just like, yes, yo, here, I, you know, I Bet you didn't think we could do this, but the, here it is. The loop like, felt oh. like felt like a double black diamond with you know that, that's got uh, it's either just crazy steep or you got just really really technical moguls. This felt like you were off piste. You are doing. <laughs> you are just like you are dropping in off of you know back country. The ski patrol warning signs at the at the gate are, yeah. are waiting for you. Like, and, we're, we're not responsible for yeah. anything that happens on this side of the mountain. And, and like you know, number one. Can we just talk about that green? Do you want to talk about, like, we kept saying this with all the other DeVries courses we've mentioned, like, man, what a first impression. I, I think I said this to camera. It was like, after I made fucking 15 on that hole, I'm like, all right, if that, if if he's trying to, like, lure us in with the first impression, like, my first impression of this place is like, oh, my God, I'm terrified to see what the other 17 holes are like. This, this might be a long day for me. And that long, broad slope that fronts the green, you've got that on either side of the green. Yeah. And so it's that same theme you've seen from some of the other DeVries courses. But you could legitimately ping-pong it back and forth on that green, like, five, six, seven times in a row and just not, you know, just, just keep hitting it back and forth. And I, I did wonder, too, what our opinions i mean i don't think anybody disliked it i think it any criticisms were probably stemming more from the fact that it was our 17th course that we that we'd seen on this trip or whatever i, I wonder what it would have been like if we would have got off the plane and and played that first you know what i mean i, I think it would have been an absolute like sensory overload in a good way just like oh my god i can't wait to see what's around this corner or what's going on i think by the time that all of our bodies are a little broken down and we're not quite as in control of our our golf games it just it felt like it was a lot Tough course to play with low energy. Yeah, it, it was. And I think I, the conclusion I came to this was just like, it, it came highly recommended, came highly lauded, and I, I had pretty big expectations for it. And it just wasn't a great match for me. That's not to say, I don't feel passionately about that. Like I kind of did with the loop on the specific features about the loop that I think were just not appropriate for any skill level. It just, it, it like to Neil's point, like I, you kind of, I tried a lot of pretty difficult shots on that day, and I got up there and I was kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like, there was no reason to even try it. And I like the balance of like, you can try it, but here's the price you're going to pay. And after seeing a lot of them, it was kind of like, no, you don't even need to try it. And that kind of golf on repeat, I love 
like having to strategically place your way around a course with irons if it's a kind of a narrow course or you're navigating a couple pot bunkers here and there. But on something like that wild, uh, I love to explore the, the the golf course and, you know, feel like I'm free to hit shots. And I just didn't get that feeling, especially after seeing it and looking back at the holes like, dude, shit, I don't even really know what what because like, if I hit three, what's going to end up there? If I hit driver, it's going to end up there. If I hit four iron, it's going to end up right in that same spot. And it just it, it not much land was moved, if at all, in building this. And it, you could kind of tell in some spots. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I think a lot of that's just dictated by how severe the land is, right? Yeah, like it's reactionary hard, from it, debris, right? It's hard enough to have one way to play the hole, let alone trying to create two ways to play the holes is is going to be just almost impossible. It felt, yeah. it felt a little bit like Tothill Farm. Yes, um, totally. You know, very extreme. And, like, you know, they did the best they could on certain parts of the property. And, uh, and it's thrilling, like, to, to oh, hit a lot of those shots. It's crazy to sit out, what was it, part of... Uh, the par three six six yeah it's like you're standing on that tee box you're like and that's not like there's a bunch of strategy to to that hole it's just like yeah either you hit the shot or you don't but like take some pictures this is pretty fucking wild five six seven yeah i can't wait to go back and like 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 i want to play with a fresh set of eyes and with a with a a second time around knowing what you know knowing what i know i think some of it on the par three is just kind of how how disjointed the routing has to be to, to to fit these holes in I thought it was one of the best sets of par threes I've ever played. Number three was um, awesome. Three was unbelievable. Six was unbelievable. Uh, Seventeen was a great hole. Like it's, it's very, very like thrilling par three shots. And what's the, the greens were great. Fifteen is the other one. Fifteen's yeah. cool. Some yeah. Cool on those long par threes that were, yeah, long broad slopes. Cool ways to kind of feed the ball great. in. It, yeah, it was that was really cool. Agreed. I I would. We've said this a couple times on this pod alone, but there were a lot of courses we played that were great match play courses. Randy and I were discussing this felt like the uh, the other way around where you're trying to like if you're you know we're all playing matches out there and it's like you're trying to play your opponent but we were just you feel uncomfortable on the tees yeah right and it's like you know it's it's, like, it's tough to play the course and your opponent you're kind of <laughs> yeah you don't know which of one of can stand at. off a little bit <laughs> out there way. and I, and I, I it's kind of the opposite of what i didn't like about the loop was T to green, it just wasn't really working for me. Once you got on the greens and the approach shots were really interesting and the slopes and and how, you know, they kind of had some friendly kickers and some some punishing kicks as well. But that was all really working for me. It was just kind of like There's the a sh- lot of knobs out yeah. there and a lot of a lot of visual stuff going on off the yeah. tee. It, I think like standout holes, like I, I thought ten, that that short part four, kind of up the hill, that was a really, really handsome, cool looking hole. Um I love the back nine. I love the back, like the the front nine gets all the accolades as far as the well. The front nine's a lot more dramatic, right? You dramatic have, holes. You have a lot the, of the rock faces and that stuff, and the back is feels uh, much more traditional. I thought the back was where the juice was. I I didn't really care for eleven, but but like really after that, I thought uh, twelve was cool. I thought thirteen was like one of the better par fives we played on the trip. Yeah. Awesome green, really like cool some green. like kind of a Maxwell style mound there uh it looked like you were hitting off into just outer space you know long long of that green and then you you get up there and realize oh there's another 20 feet back here 14 was just a no bunkers or anything it plays up you know, there's, there's just a little canyon there i thought 18 was really really interesting it's like you're playing into this like funnel or colander and you're it's it's wild and then it just it spits you out through this little spout through this little neck <laughs> And then you play up, and the, the green looks super benign from 200 yards out, and it's actually sloped right to left, and there's a big mound right in the middle of it that 
we had a left pin and that was a really, really tough pin. And if you were on the right side of that, that was going to be an impossible pin to get to from, you know, short right of that but green. Every, but every ball is off the tee, like from six iron to driver is ending up in the same spot. It's I, like a so governor I, on the engine. I talked to Mark, the, the uh, director of golf about it afterwards. And I was asking him because they had had their club championship and he was saying, no, like actually that a lot of guys hit driver there and get it down past the neck. And you've got, you know, you can get it down past there. I, I think there's something to be said for, you huh? know. <laughs> really? I mean, that just doesn't seem possible. It's a five-yard wide neck. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for, I, I agree, like it, it does seem like six iron and driver is going to end up in the same spot, which from a, you know, hashtag shot value perspective, probably not great. But from a like, is it fun to give everybody a chance to go for a par five and two at the end of the day? Like, yeah, that's that's, that's where I'm at. I'm like, it's just not a great match for me, yeah. right? I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not it's saying a it's a flaw. Shot golf course. I'm yeah. Not, yeah, I'm not saying it's a flaw in any way. It just like, just didn't 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 strike me. But I thought overall too. I thought it, it kind of completed the loop on. We saw Devries do some really really gentle, subtle stuff at yeah. Pilgrim's Run and Diamond Springs. We saw the same themes in play, but a different application yep. of them. Here and I, so I thought Kingsley was the perfect distillation of all those things yes. yeah. in one place. Well said, Randy. What any thoughts on uh, on gray balls? No, I think you guys pretty well captured it. I, I think I fell prey a little bit to the expectations of it, and and I'll say it it certainly didn't disappoint in my expectations of the wildness and the scale. Uh, I, I think where it came up short for me personally was just being. Uh, more difficult, I guess, not as pleasing round of golf as I was hoping. And I think uh, as our last Mike DeVries course, you know, I, I just wonder had we had it, like you said, had we played it first or played it before Kingsley, you know, I, I think it would have slotted in uh, a whole lot better. To me, like the, the whole timing of it felt so much like Enniscrown and yeah. how we ended Ireland and just the type of course and, and some of the harshness and you know, blind aspects of it. It's one I really want to get back to. I want to spend, uh, I think I could spend two days in Marquette. I don't know if I'd be dying to spend more than a couple days there, but you know, certainly would, would love to get back and, and also play the, the heritage nine, which yeah. has a, the original has nine lengths and Moreau holes as well. I, I think would be a lot of fun. I'm dying to get back there, just especially to play those, but also just like, I think I would like, you know, some of the same criticisms I had of the greens at Forest Dunes, I probably have the, some of the tee shots. You know, it feels like there's there's some of that there. But it, I, for me, Gray Wall has completely redeemed itself with having some spectacular greens and and you know just knowing what I knowing what I'm supposed to do. And there's different ways to do it. There's different ways to accomplish it. But the objective is clear, right? From a thanks perspective, like Kevin Frisch. Uh, thank you so much, Coach Dowling from uh, yeah. Michigan, uh, women's golf coach. She's, she was wonderful in helping us get that set up. Everybody at Kingsley. Mike DeVries. Mike, yeah. I mean, just like there's just too many people to thank here. Thanks and, to Andy. Andy. Yeah, yeah, Andy was an invaluable resource. Like he's the reason we went to Grand Rapids in the first place. I remember calling him up and saying, hey, man, like you think this would be a fit? You know, I'd love, like I'm so keen to see these places. And he's like, yeah, it'd be the perfect thing. And for him to drive over from Chicago and and – you know, spend spend a day and a half with us was awesome. 
So just a fantastic, fantastic trip. Can't wait for you guys to see the videos. Uh, thank you for tuning in somehow to almost four hours of uh, people talking about their golf trip, which would not have imagined that this would be content people would want to hear, but it, it turns out it is. So can we just do r- real quick favorite hole? You got to just shout it out. Gun to your head. Favorite hole of the trip. 13 at Pilgrim's Run. I'm going to say the circus ring at Wawashkamo. <laughs> uh, 14 at Kingsley. 14 at Kingsley. Uh, 16 at Belvedere. Oh, sweet. Hell yeah. That's with, a good That's a good that's mix. A good, yeah. With a special yeah. shout out to both 15 and 16 at Diamond Springs. All right, you can't do the TC <laughs> thing here because we're going to be here all night. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.